excited as me and hope will talk better than I do as <laughs> obviously I can't. I'm nice excited. Job. I'm excited. Right? Okay. All right. I concur. See? Also excited. Very all right. excited. All right. We're all excited. So that's good. Uh, let me introduce. Uh, first off is someone that you may know from his podcast, which is called Thank God It's Friday the 13th. He believes that every Friday the 13th that falls in a calendar year should be declared a national holiday. <laughs> But only in Canada. Yes. <laughs> he is the man they call Christian. How you doing, everybody? Good, I hope. <laughs> I forgot we're not doing this live. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's expecting like a crowd reaction or something. I'm putting hey! sound effects in. Yeah, he paused for applause. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be put in. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, definitely. All right. Hey, you're the one doing it. That, that's okay with me if it's okay with you. Okay. Uh, next, we have a man who needs an introduction. A newcomer to the podcast world, but one we expect great things from in the future. The, no only I, uh, <laughs> the only guy I know who watches more horror than me, his name is Brandon. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Excited to be aboard. And thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. And uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, about this. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, too. It's a brand new show. And I think, let me say something here. I, okay. What separates the show from the others? Everybody pay attention. Listen up. We, we are going to do something that no other podcast does. All right, listening? What we are going to try to do here is have a fair amount of shows, like this particular one, by the way, where we review one brand new movie and one movie from the past. That's going to be a format that we're going for, and nobody else does it. So, that's that. Not not no. Listen, that isn't to say we're not going to do different kinds of shows where we spotlight horror franchises or review trilogies. And we have other ideas. We've talked about having shows where we're going to like review movies that all have a common thread. And but we're going to take all that as it comes. But the bottom line is we're going to mix it up around here, and we do have a lot of ideas. So that's that's what I got. That's my big sales pitch. So hopefully, um, <laughs> it's sold. I think they bought it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you know <laughs> so today we are gonna have two movies we're going to do an old one and a new one. Oh, let me um let me say something else here uh because some people don't want to hear spoilers it, me big time i hate spoilers so i completely respect it when we do new mo- new movies uh i can say this this is what we plan to do we want to discuss the movie and then give like a um a kind of a recommendation or a not a recommendation at the end of it. And then I'm going to timestamp everything. So we're going to talk about it without spoilers. 
Then, after we give that mini rating, which is either going to be a recommend, uh, not recommend, something like that, whatever. Um, then we're going to continue on with spoiler talk, and we're going to give her a regular rating, you know, uh, 1 through 10. So we're going to do that with every new movie. And we're going to do the new movies second, because the old movies... A lot of times, I think we're going to have spoiler talk on that because let's oh, face absolutely. it, absolutely, absolutely, they're old movies. Yeah. Now, now today, today's movie is going to be different. Uh, occasionally, it's going to be a, a rare bird. Like today's movie, there is something that, if you haven't seen the movie, and I could speak uh, for myself because this is the first time I've seen it, 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 it would definitely you don't want somebody to know about a certain plot twist, if you will. So, in this case today, we're going to have spoiler. A non-spoiler talk, and then at the end, we're going to give a little you know, disclaimer, say, okay, this is now we're going to go into this, and we're going to talk further. So we're going to do our best not to spoil anything for everybody. So this way we get, you know, listeners that are, you know, that they really care about, that are sensitive to that. And I am. I mean, I, anyone that listen, has listened to my shows knows that I'm really uptight about spoilers. So we're going to have nothing but respect for that, so you don't have any worries there. All right, so that's what we're going to do today. Today we have two features, Alone in the Dark from 1982 and The Final Girls from 2015. Can't get much newer than that, eh? (laughs) We want to do this. We want to have new, as new as possible. We want to have, you know, we want to, if, you know, certain times I'd like us to be the kind of guys that come out there and we're the first podcast on the block that's reviewing a new movie because, you know, people want to listen to that stuff. So that's what we're going to try to do, and that's what we're going to do today. Today we're going to have two reviews, but before we get down that, get you know, go down that road with the reviews, uh, the only we're not going we we don't want to do anything too formal, you know. Like some days we might talk a little bit of news or a, a new releases coming out or something, but today we're not going to do that. Today I think it would be a good idea if we all learn a little bit about you know the, the guys you're listening to, myself included. So I thought I would ask everybody here. Everybody here. I thought I would ask you guys. <laughs> See, this is my first time, you know, taking. Hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. So bear with me when I stumble, because usually anyone that listens to my other shows, anyone listens to Skeleton Crew or Banana Laser knows that Alex is the host of the one, Matt is the host of the other, and I'm always sidekick. So this is a whole new thing for me, but it's something I wanted to try. And it's something that I, I, I think I brought the wrong the, the wrong. I think I brought the, the right people in. <laughs> Next. This C three PO's turn at the at the helm and he fucking <laughs> insults us right away. Uh, I don't know where that came from. I really The know. wrong guys. <laughs> oh, I know what you meant. Oh shit. I got I got the right guys. Yeah. Um so, I think so, so too. And we I literally so, we yeah. just I think within what? The last three four weeks, we've we've sort of met, and we haven't even really physically met. We've just sort of met, and we share the same enthusiasm, which is what is so great about this. Yeah, three huge horror fans. We love it. We're looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited. Everyone's excited. Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Let's do this. So, guys, I'm gonna pick your brain, and uh, you know, if I stump you, then. Then you know whatever, just take your do the best you can. Pick away because it's not easy to do to come up with answers on the spot. Because mine, see, I, this is easy for me. I already wrote my answers. I know what I'm going to talk about. So I'm, I, you know, I'm asking you guys questions on the spot and hoping to get a response. So, 
Okay, here's what we'll do. If anybody stumbles, I'll give my answer. How's that? Sounds, Sounds good. good. Is that fair? I actually okay. wrote some answers down. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I kind of mentioned it in chat briefly yeah. the other day. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to save the, the main event for the main event. But hold on. I'm going to start off real easy. If there, there's many subgenres of horror, I have a feeling we're going to tackle all of them. We're going to have special shows about each of them. If you guys could pick one to be your favorite, which one would it be? I have to go with Slasher. I 100% agree. I have to go with Slasher as well. It's, you know, really the first subgenre that I got into. Oh, that, that's the hat trick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we all are Slasher fans. Okay. And as long as we're talking about Slasher, that's going to lead me into my next thing. Well, in my case, it will. But could you pinpoint a movie or a moment or anything in particular that turned you on to horror? How did it happen exactly? Did it just gradually happen, or did it happen just one day because of one you know, singular event, or you watched one movie or, or something like that? Is there anything you could share on that? Who do you want to go first? <laughs> you know. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you're ready, okay. shoot. Yeah, Christian, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, thanks. Being a kid, I was intrigued by old school horror movies that my father had watching on TV. I remember The Innocence, which is uh, a very old ghost movie, scared the hell out of me. And then more more of a modern one would be Friday the 13th. So I, I, I've talked about this on my podcast numerous times. Won't bore people, but ultimately the short version of it is I was at Grandma's and it was on TV. And I must have been eight or nine years old, roughly. And... Uh, I remember not knowing what it was. It kind of looked like a Disney movie and grainy, and then Kevin Bacon got it. I don't remember it being censored, and I remember it scaring the crap out of me and then turning it off. But <laughs> at that point, I think I was hooked. <laughs> That's awesome. So your parents, your, your, so your, your father was a horror fan because, you, like you said, he was watching The Innocents and other classic horrors. So you happen to be in the room. So your father, it did, it's, it's almost genetic. So your father was a horror fan, and then your grandmother as well happened to have it on. Well, funny enough, my father was more of a, a, a film buff. He loved everything. He loved, funny enough, musicals, and then he loved Hitchcock. And so Hitchcock was my first maybe real introduction into horror, even though like maybe Psycho and the Birds would be his official horror movies, yet he always played with that thriller thing so that was my maybe first exposure to it but the the innocence was like the one i remember scaring me and my i wouldn't say my grandmother was into horror by any means i just happened to be at grandma's for like thanksgiving or christmas and i was bored so i went into the other room and i was watching tv and friday the 13th happened to be on wow how old were you like i said i i believe it was the first time it was aired eight or nine in Canada here, we had Channel City TV, which was Channel 57 at the time, and they would they would try to gain viewership by not really censoring things. I think the only thing they censored was like motherfucker, and the part that they censored was the mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Canada. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit different here. We like for R rated, for instance, we can't go with a parent. Like we, well, it's changed a little bit in the last 10 years, but our rated restricted meant that anybody under 18 would not be able to see the film. You were not admitted to the film. Whereas in the States, you just had to find someone that was 17 or older, I believe, and you could go see the film, but not, not so much here. Now we've changed our rating system a little bit in the last 10 years, but there's still a restricted rating as well. 
Wow, so that's weird. Canada, that, that's really strange. And I, I'm, I'm f- very familiar with it because I live in Buffalo, New York, and uh, I grew up, and not so much now because I, I have cable and other stuff now, but <laughs> as a child, we we uh, we had Channel 13, CBC, and a co- I had two Canadian channels on my dial. So I recall watching some movies occasionally and seeing uh, Bare Tits. That would, be, that would be City TV, not CBC, but City TV, guaranteed. They were, Cannibal Girls was a staple. Um, everything you wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask was a staple. <laughs> they would play like those movies that you could pretty much, uh, I, I don't want to lead into another thing. I'll, I'll stop it there. But there's a movie that was kind of influenced over Moses Zimmer, and that was his whole way of gaining viewership, was to play these movies that um, he knew people wanted to see but weren't readily available on TV. Wow. Yeah. City TV, I guarantee it. It's just weird to me that they could show all this stuff on TV. They were very free on television, but when it came to going to the movies, they treated an R the way we treat an X in the States. Yeah. It's it's very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. We never had NC-17 here, um, but yeah, our, it would just be R-rated. And in fact, some movies, depending on the province, would get banned. Some weird ones. Like it, it never really made any sense. Um, but yeah, that's that's that was our exposure. We had just to give you an idea, it would be like um, F or G, family or you know, general guidance, PG. Then we had uh, AA, which was adult accompaniment, and then R. So AA meant that you had to be 14 or older, or you needed to go with an adult, and an R meant you couldn't see it if you're under 18 years of age. Wow. So AA wasn't really like RPG-13. AA was more like what RR is in the States. Yeah. In a way. But at 14 years of age. Yeah. Very, very odd. And remember, like, uh, when if you could sneak into an R-rated movie, it was great. Like, I mean, and we did. (laughs) And we'll get to that. I mean, I'm sure uh, that will come up numerous times as we talk about more movies. But you've never been able, or you never, you were never able to go yourself, and you're a big Fire the 13th fan. You were never able to go and see Jason on the big screen as a child. No, I, I snuck in. I was 14 years old when <laughs> uh, Jason Takes Manhattan came out. I was 14. And it was, I think, my 14th birthday, or, or in and around that time frame, like, like days, like within days. And so uh, I knew a guy that was older. Uh, that I was good friends with. He was a horror fan too, but still, he th- like I had to sneak in. So he bought the tickets, and we just walked in, and I never got questioned. But other than that, I probably would have wanted to see them from about when part when Jason lives. About eighty six would have been the time frame where I wanted to see them without being freaked out. I was always infatuated by them. I always wanted to watch them, but I was scared shitless of horror movies until I was like just that 12-year-old range. Wow. That that, nope. that that thing is bizarre, that whole thing with Canada. Wow. You know what's interesting is uh, Jason Takes Manhattan was the fir- one of the first horror movies I saw in the theaters, and I was nine when that came out. Wow. Wow. That was wow. one of two. I can't remember which one I saw first, but it was Jason Takes Manhattan and also... Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Five. came out that yeah, summer. Yeah, yeah. Same, I think like it, within weeks of each other. Oh, 89, right? 89? Yeah, 89. Yeah, it makes sense. It was Jason Takes Manhattan first. I remember that. And then I think it was August when um, Nightmare 5 came out. And I, I remember I didn't drag a friend to it because we had a lot of Freddy fans. But I remember seeing that one was rated AA so I could go with no problems in Canada. Good old Wait Canada. A yeah. Wait a minute. 
Yeah. Nightmare Five was rated AA. Yeah. But but Jason Takes Manhattan was rated yeah. R. Yeah, the most whatever. the most Disney friendly Jason movie was rated R. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street Five: The Dream Child was rated AA. Wow. That's our that's our uh, rating system. No different. Let's be honest. The, the MPAA in the states has been notorious for like there's no rhyme or reason to what they did during the 80s. Right. And we could probably without again uh we could attribute that to Friday the 13th, I think. I, okay. Honestly, I really think you could pinpoint that movie and the reaction to that movie as to why there was so much censorship throughout the 80s. And the only reason we're getting to see what we can see now is because you can see The Walking Dead on TV, amongst much other things. I think CSI pretty much opened up and said, well, if you're going to get them into the theater seats, we got to be able to show them something they can't see on TV now. Right. Right. And now they show everything. So Yeah. Precisely. And you know what? They did. They fucking hated Friday the 13th. It, yeah, it, it, right? It was personal. Because part one, yes, it came out and it was gory. Part two... Is it censored the shit, yeah. Right? But however, think at that. 1981, you had Friday 2, and you also had, I mean, we could go on and on. Many other slashers, and many other slashers were more gory than Friday 2. There's a reason for that. I mean, look what he did. Savini, he went into the Prowler and the Burning. Both of them definitely gorier than Friday 2. So, right, I think it became a personal thing. With the MPA, they're like, well, you guys are the fuckers that caused all this. Yeah. So, right? We're going to punish you, and we're going to let other people get away with a little bit more. And well, The it's burning, a shame. though. Yeah, it is a shame. But the burning, because I love, if, I will tell you, and I know that there's numerous people, I, I, probably both of you included, because I've heard your podcast on Friday, too, by the way, Dave. So you know this already. But the reality is, if they came out with an uncensored version of Friday, too, we'd all pay top dollar for it. We'd yep. all pay top dollar. Hey, yep. We're dying for that one. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, we know the reality. Like, they didn't, you know, I kept thinking that that footage was lost. But the more I hear about it, that that's not the case. Later on, it was the case. That could still exist. It just hasn't been found yet. But, yeah, I, I'm telling you, many a horror fan would be waiting for to see that uh, uncut footage. Uh, and we'll probably be disappointed because our, our imaginations have built it up to some ridiculous level that uh, when you actually end up seeing it, it'll probably be like, eh. <laughs> but, but I still want to see it. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, I love it as is. It's one of the few movies. Not one of the few, because uh, Halloween too. But I'm just saying, it, it's it. I, I love that movie so much in particular that uh, and anything is gonna even is gonna be great, even if it's just another three seconds of blood squirts. And we yeah. do know what they had in that movie. It's been documented in, in the Crystal Lake Memories book and on the thing where the guy said, "No, this went down. No, this went down." Sadly, we can't get a hold of that. Nobody there. There's no access to those tapes anyway. So, hey, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. And holy shit, I got a, to I got a trivia. I, yeah, we'll get off this because I don't want to dry, uh, uh, to derail it too much too. And, and we haven't even talked to Brandon yet. But, oh my god! But here's right. a trivia question for both of you guys. <laughs> Uh, what is our connection from Friday the 13th Part 2, then, to one of our movies tonight? A connection from Friday 2. Friday 2. Uh, right. Friday 2 to one of these movies tonight. <gasps> oh, no, no, no. Not that. That's something else entirely. It can't be anything in Alone in the Dark. 
That it much is, I can it say. Is, it is Alone in the Dark, actually. Yeah, that's enough. what I was immediately thinking was Alone in the Dark. Um, I saw. Uh, uh, he didn't I have saw, the hockey mask in part two, so it's no, not the hockey yeah, mask. It's yeah. not the diner, because I think the diner was from part one. We'll get to that one. Yeah, the diner. Um, uh, admittedly, admittedly, I was shocked, and I was like, wow, there's a perfect little bit of trivia. Let me think about it. It can't be any of the actors because I now I have to go to my notes. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm, I'm cheating already. <laughs> if it's a Friday two thing, if it's a Friday anything, I can't even bother to look because it should be just up in my head. And you know, I forget a movie probably two days after I watch it, and it's been it's probably been a couple of years since I watched Friday two. So to remember all the details, if it's a little detail, I don't even deserve to venture a guess. It's but... not a kill. It's not a kill, I can tell you that much. Do you want the answer now, or do you want to wait until after we introduce, officially introduce Brandon? No, not only do I want to wait till after we introduce Brandon, I want to wait until maybe the closing minutes of the show, okay. so the people listening can be cliffhanging with the rest of us. <laughs> They're going to Google it before that point, but that's fine. <laughs> I might Google it before that point. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, well, how about you, Brandon? How did you get started? Do you have a story? Uh, yeah, for me, I uh, got started because of my mom. My mom was big into horror. So, like I said, she took us to see our first horror movies when I was nine. And like I said, it was Friday 13th Part 8 and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. But before that, the moment I could think of that probably sparked my interest in being scared was one of my babysitters when I was about six or seven. Let us watch Ten to Midnight with Charles Bronson. And it's not a horror movie. It's not classified as a horror movie. But watching a maniac run around slashing co-eds for a six or seven-year-old is pretty terrifying. And I just remember that my mom was not too happy with the babysitter. But <laughs> it seemed to spark my interest from there. And, you know, my mom was cool. She uh, she took us to see everything. So, And I think I grew up at a good time, you know. I kind of came into into horror in the late 80s, so I was kind of catching all the end sequels, but going back and revisiting, obviously, the originals, because I didn't want to just see part eight of every movie. <laughs> and, uh, of course, just going back, you know, a few years earlier to movies like Fright Night, which is, to me, the staple of my horror childhood. Not only, I mean, it's an amazing film. I love it. But to me, like, I feel like that's the movie that got me into horror for real. Cool. Great choice, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I I love it. Great movie. I got I got news for you. I, I saw it for the very first time this year. <laughs> What'd you think? Believe it or not. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed you, you it. I thought Colin Farrell was hot. Oh <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make it even worse. I saw the remake before the original as well. Oh no. Well, hey. it was for a podcast. Hold on, let me yeah. hold on. There's a reason. I watched the remake first because and Banana Laser, we did this show once where we were reading a list, and it's of the top 15 horror movies since, I forgot what year it was, but Fright Night was number 15 on this list, and I hadn't seen it, and me being the good podcaster that I tried to be, <laughs> went and watched the movie so I could have something to say about it. So, And I explained on that show, and I'll have to repeat myself again, there's very little, of course now I'm, I'm sounding like an ass because I didn't see Alone in the Dark or Fright Night, but I'm telling you, that really, really is the minority because I grew up in the 80s because I'm a little bit older than you guys. I rented everything. I saw the horror section. If I didn't see a movie, 
it's because I really didn't like the way the box looked, and I did not want to see the movie. Oh, but Fright Night has one of the best uh, cover arts, I think. I love it. You're right. I did not like the title. I didn't like the title. Really? At the time, I was hardcore into slashers, and I thought that, and I'm not making fun of it, but I thought that at the time that Fright Night, it sounded a little bit too cheesy to me at the time. Well, you know, it is def- it is considered more of a horror comedy. Listen, I enjoy it. I'm not knocking it all, but that is the only reason I never watched it. I go, oh, that's got to be cheesy for kids. Now, you know, when I watch the movie, I come to find out that Fright Night is the name of that public access show. So it kind of make, it makes sense why they would call it that. Mm-hmm. And I'm cool with it. I would have to say that as far as vampire movies go, it, it's definitely in my top five. So uh, awesome. I'll, I'll give it props, you know. But I, I, I intentionally didn't watch it. Now I have watched it for the first time this year. And, of course, I will revisit it. So I'm glad I got to watch it. And, and you saw the remake. And I got to be honest, I'm not going to hate on the remake because I have not seen it. And I'm one of these people who believes that remakes are a good idea because at least it gets newer generation of horror fans to hopefully go back and revisit the originals as well. Yep. But from what I've heard, the general consensus is that Fright Night remake was not one of the better ones. <laughs> I was okay with it. I watched it, and I was fine with it. I didn't like the way it ended. It ended a little bit too happy, but I think the original kind of did in a way as well. So, like, it, here's what I remember about the remake. Oh, no, I won't spoil it. Forget it. I won't spoil it. <laughs> we'll talk about it after, yeah. you watch, after you watch the remake. When we'll get on, and we'll say, hey, what did you watch this past week horror-wise? If, if we get to that, you can say, I finally watched the Friday Night remake. Then we can tackle it. So, we'll, <laughs> we'll wait for Sounds that. Sounds good. How interesting yep. is it, though? Friday the 13th again. Now, me, of course. Yeah. I got a great story, and I've told it a couple times. I'll make it as brief as possible. <laughs> Please. I, I'm, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will. I'll make it as brief as I can, because uh, I've told it on, on two different shows now. But now this is the third. I went to sleep one night. I was, let's say, 12 years old. Um, my, father, my mother and my father went off for the evening. My brother, who didn't live with me, he was 18, 19. He did not live with me, but um, he was babysitting. And I think it was the only time he ever babysat me over, or, you know, in the evening. Just just didn't happen. But he was there with his girlfriend. And I was, like I said, it's like 12. I was like 12 years old. It was like in the middle of 84 because it was before Final Chapter came out. So Friday the 13th Part 3 was on cable that night. And back in the day, I don't know if they still do it now because I don't watch HBO, they would show a movie, like a, a premiere movie, like on the evening, like usually especially a weekend or a Friday or Saturday. They would show a movie at 8 o'clock, and then they would replay that same movie again at 2 in the morning. That was a big thing they did when it was a premiere movie. So Friday the 13th Part 3 came on. I paid it no mind. I was doing my own thing, playing with my toys, and I think they watched it. Now, I didn't know a damn thing about it. Didn't care. Now, downstairs we're all in the living room. They both pass out. Me, I was a chicken shit when I was a kid. So I did not want to go upstairs and sleep in the bedroom. If I can get away with sleeping downstairs in the living room with my brother and his girlfriend, I was going to. So <laughs> they fell asleep, and I said, fuck it. I pulled up my sleeping bag and pillow, and I fell asleep. Now, I wake up at some obscene hour, 3 in the morning, 3.30, whatever. It was late. I wake up, and all I catch is literally... The final chase scene of Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. That's it with Chris, and I, it's you know I mean you guys are familiar with it. It was one fucking thing after another. 
You know, they hung him. He came back. <laughs> he took the mask off. He did this. She goes in the boat. She sees him in the window. She dreaming. Mrs. Vore, he jumps out of the fucking boat, pulls her under. I was, I was scared. Of course I was scared. But at the same time, I was just like so drawn into it. I was like, oh, my God. It was one thing after another. I was like shit in my pants. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So, <laughs> you know. I didn't want to tell anybody I was scared because, you know, my brother's seven years older. He's like 19. You know, I, I thought he was, you know, the world at that age. You know how it is. So I'm like, I'm just going to be cool. I'm not going to wake them up and tell them I'm scared. And I, I think I eventually got back to bed. Next day I got up in the morning. The first thing I did was reach for the TV guide because back in those days it was TV guide. Flipped around to HBO Friday morning or Saturday morning, 2 a.m. What movie was playing? Friday the 13th, part three. Boom. Hooked. That's all it took. <laughs> Within a few weeks, I, ha- I had a card for a Blockbuster, or, and that wasn't Blockbuster yet. It was for the mom-pop shop, and I was somehow able to convince my parents to let me, rate, to rent, let, bleh, let me rent <laughs> rated R horror movies. Just horror movies, nothing else rated R. And I did, and, and that began it. So it was the final scene in Part 3, and wouldn't you know that when the final chapter came out, my father took me. <laughs> opening night I was there for that and I, I've seen every Friday the 13th movie up until the remake still on opening night ever since and awesome that is awesome it's awesome I didn't realize you, you were the such final a chapter yeah. I'm a fucking yeah. yeah big I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep it this is the last thing I'm supposed to do on this show because everyone that listens to the other shows know. knows that I'm a Friday fanboy and it's been talked about to death so I said, when we do this show, we're going to try to steer away from it. But well, I, I have to. My other show is called TGIF 13. Like, I, mean, I know. <laughs> I mean, the reality is I can't talk Friday the 13th. I've done it enough. It's got to be something new. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely steer away. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great to hear that everybody had like the same, like, kind of like same experience. The fact that, Brandon, you saw Friday the 13th part eight. In the theater, that was the first Friday Thirteenth I saw. I'd seen some horror movies before then, obviously many horror movies before then. But that was the first yeah. Friday the Thirteenth I saw in the theater. And the fact that uh, you know Friday Thirteenth played such a big part in your life, that's awesome. That's great. Definitely Friday and Nightmare, Freddy and Jason. Yeah. I didn't get into Michael Myers till I was older. Those were my yeah. boogeymen as a kid. <laughs> I love Michael Myers too because Halloween four was I, uh, well, Halloween one, of course, goes oh, without yeah. saying. But Halloween two yeah. and four were fantastic, and then you just want it to be good. But I felt like it just went downhill from there. Personally, mm-hmm. see, it's weird. Like Dave with um, Fright Night as a kid, Halloween was just one that I just always not. I wasn't intentionally avoiding it. I just don't know why it took me so long to see it because mm. I was watching. You know, Carrie and Trilogy of Terror. Anything, again, a cover box that would scare me. I'd be like, I got to get that. And those were some scary cover boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were the good old days with the cover boxes. Oh, I loved it. Man. Loved it. Trilogy of Terror, man. That terrified me as <laughs> that a kid. Doll, that, that yeah. Doll. Oh, yeah, the African voodoo doll. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Chucky's yeah, got yeah. nothing on him. <laughs> oh, nothing. And Carrie, too. I mean, a lot of people don't think so, but... The box was so big and the reds were so vivid on it. It was just terrifying. Yep. Just Sissy Spacek's face. I was like, oh my Brian God. Brian De Palma is one of my favorites. But Yeah. So, David, what's your favorite horror film? Or can you even narrow it down? I can narrow it down to five. How's that? No, I can narrow it down to two. Better than me. <laughs> I'd like to hear five, to be honest, because I have six. I'm already cheating. Okay. I used to have six, and I decided uh, I'll go with a five. And I'll go with five quick. Here's what I'll say. Number five 
is Suspiria. Number four is Friday the 13th Part 2. Back to that movie. (laughs) Number three is Halloween. Back to that one again. And now this is going to be strange. Because my, honestly, I'm a real hardcore horror fan. But my list sounds kind of mainstream. But I can't help it. These two movies I saw when I was young. And I've loved them ever since. I've watched them more than any other movies. And I'm yet to see something that tops them. And though the top two are The Exorcist and The Shining. Yeah. Ooh. This is going to make for some interesting topic when uh, we get into some further discussion. I have a feeling. I yeah. have a feeling that, that, that it would because I know there are some very different opinions on those movies, especially The Shining. I know that a lot of people don't. I'm with you on The Shining. I uh, oh, sure. oh. talking about the other. Okay. Oh, this would be good. Okay. Well, and like it's funny. We'll get to it. Don't don't do it now. Don't no, do I'm it. not gonna do it now. Oh, we're all do, we're doing all good stuff now. It's, right now it's favorites. We'll keep it happy. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I just watched The Exorcist. Uh, my wife finally watched it. She hasn't seen it since she was a kid. She it's the only movie that scared her. She out of nowhere a few weeks ago says, "I'll watch The Exorcist." Now for years she's known I want to. I'll watch it anytime. It's just a movie that I can watch any time of the day, any day of the week. It don't matter. I'll watch it. And she says. Hey, want to watch The Exorcist? And I was like, oh, what? It was like I got an erection. I'm like, are you serious? Right now? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we fucking, I put it in, we watched it. like either it. that or sex. I'll take The Exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. All right, let's do it. I mean, sex. Sex I get any time I want it. I mean, yeah, but The Exorcist with you. The Exorcist, yes. It hasn't happened. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I, it was so bad that we even watched Exorcist 2 after. How about oh, that, that is bad. Right. <laughs> No but one, I had her. No one falls up The Exorcist with The Exorcist 2. <laughs> no, I know they don't. And I, I wanted to watch three. I had the box set, so I'm like, I was like, let me squeeze as much out of her as I can in this right now. You know, <laughs> let me get what I can get. You know, so I'm like, let's watch two. Okay, right. can we watch three? Well, time ran out, so whatever. Or maybe we had sex, so I, I did that instead. But <laughs> bottom line is that, that's all of them. Uh, nothing's nothing surpassed it for me. I won't go on and on. I've already reviewed them, and I don't want to do too much. But um. What about you guys? Can you guys do a five? But hold on. We'll let Brandon go first because yeah. Christian probably has to Absolutely. Think. All right. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to do a six okay, just because, um, and honestly, these are in no particular order. I'm going to save my number one for last, but the others are going to be in no particular order just because, to be honest, I left so many films off this list. Oh, I hear you, man. It's horrible. You know, yeah. I don't have Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street on this, and those are, you know, two of the films that I credit with, you know, getting me into horror. So um, I'm going to go with Night of the Living Dead. Nice. Fright Night. Black Christmas, which I know you love, Dave. Oh, we and you are going to have <laughs> similar discussions. Canadian yeah. horror film, boys. Canadian oh, horror film. Boy, I, I just no love word. that film. I don't, I don't know why. Just These are films, and let me state this. These films on my list are films that not only have I seen multiple times, but that I want to continue to see multiple times. So that's kind of why I made this list. That's cool. Um, Don't Look Now. Really? Nice. Nice. I love that film. I got to pick up the new Criterion. Yes. Actually, I I might have ordered it. I did order it. I ordered so much on Black Friday. I I totally (laughs) forgot I ordered that. Um, Cemetery Man. Really? Wait a minute. When did you make this decision on Cemetery Man? After you listened to that last podcast, or, or you know what? I'm not. I'm. 
I'm usually not one who likes to blurt out and take credit for stuff, but I was the one who phoned in and told them that they should do spoilers on that particular movie. Because I know that, yes. You have to talk about that. That movie is just so deep. I like pretty cool. movies that make you think. Mm-hmm. Even though I said my favorite subgenre is slashers, I mean, those are always going to be the most fun for me. But, you know, Cemetery Man was just, it was brilliant. Can we, it really can we, was. Can we really geek out here and say... It's called uh, Della Monte Dell'Amore. Right. We can say that. Yeah, because yeah. we're Italian. Well, two of us. Right. Well, two of us. How are you not yeah. Italian, Brandon? Come on. I think you have I to be know. honorary Italian. I, I don't. I really don't know. <laughs> I, there's got to be some Italian in here somewhere. There you go. <laughs> somewhere. All right. And uh, my number one, and IMDb does not classify this as a horror, but the main villain, we always talk about him in the horror community. And it's Silence of the Lambs. Ah, yeah. that's I a absolutely horror. love that film. That is a horror movie. I, I'm yeah, I think so, fun. too. You know, I was looking on IMDb, and it's like crime, drama, thriller. I'm like, that's horrific, that movie. Dude, yeah, everything that's going on in that movie is horrific. Tons of shit. Please. Okay, I love that. What did you think about the Hannibal show? Loved it. Me too. Phenomenal show. I'm still hoping that it gets picked up. And you know what? I'm going to yes, say something. You saw how it ended. It's over. No, yeah, I know it's over, but I would, you know, if there was a way, I just want to see more. I love the lead actor who played Hannibal. He was great. Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Right? At first, I couldn't stand him. The first four, not, pardon me, let me rephrase that. I don't want to say I couldn't stand him. The first four episodes I watched, I had difficulty understanding, understanding him. his accent. Yeah, he's got a very heavy accent. It was hard to understand throughout the whole show, which is honestly... Why I might pick up the DVDs at some point just to watch them with subtitles. Right, right. Because I have trouble hearing anyway. I was I was upset alone in the dark didn't have subtitles. Right, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's terrific, and uh, Hannibal was such a visually awesome show. I um, wow, I recommend that highly to people who haven't watched it. You know, and it's only three seasons, and honestly, you could binge watch that. And I might even say that I like Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal maybe more than uh, Anthony Hopkins. I, wow. He's just, he's just so cool. Did you see the suits he was wearing? Oh, dude. Dude, he was money. Absolutely. He, he was, yes. I mean, yeah, he was a beautiful looking man. <laughs> he is a beautiful looking man. I'm like, hey, man. like this guy. I'm like, I want to look like this guy. Yeah, yeah, he was styling, no yeah. doubt. I'm just surprised to hear that from a guy that has silence as his number one film. That's like me uh, saying, um, um, they, had, they, had, they, had, they had a Shining show. And I go, well, I think that this guy did a better shine, did a better Jack Torrance than Jack Nicholson. That's like, that's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's I don't think it was better. I just think it was different. And I just like the different take. It's kind of like how I feel with the movies. Maniac and the Maniac remake. I love both of them. Yeah. But to me, they're two totally different films. Well, there we go. There, there's show two because we should just compare those two films. Yeah. Fuck. So, I, I've it, been it's... listening to the Maniac soundtrack for the remake for the past week straight when I go to nice. bed at night. I'm fucking <laughs> in love with that soundtrack. It is a good soundtrack. Yeah. It's a great yeah, so movie. It's, it's just... not that I like them more. You know, I shouldn't say that. I, I like them equally. Yeah. Okay, I can dig that. That's cool. That's cool. Now, now, what do you say, Christian? Can you come up with five? I, or do the best you can. I, I, I can do the best. I can. The problem is narrowing it down to five. I'm telling you, just like you guys, it's very difficult. 
No Friday the Thirteenth on your list. Okay, of course. If you want me to take Friday the Thirteenth off my no! list, that helps. No, you gotta have an. Honor- yeah, how about I give wanna... them honorable mentions? Because okay. come on, we no. know. That... I want to know how high a Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, all right, all right. List. He has a podcast all about it. I want to know really where. That's what I'm expecting to hear. It's, okay, it's one funny. through. Then you'll one... be you'll probably be surprised where it fits because I have ah. to have John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes. Mm. Dawn of the oh. Dead. Nice. Yeah. Which, funny enough, I do like more than Return uh, the Night of the Living Dead. A lot of people do. And yep. Return of the Living Dead. I love that movie. I love it. I, it's a horror comedy, and I still love Return of the Living Dead. Then Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two. I think has to be tied for fourth. I, mm-hmm. I I have to cop out here and tie them for okay. fourth. No, that's good that you tied them. So at least you got yeah. them into one and then, spot. And then the downfall is if I can only do a top five, the fifth spot there is so difficult because there's too many movies that need to fit in that spot. Um, and between Videodrome or American Werewolf in London, nice. I can't, or even A Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I, it's. I hear you. Hey. Yeah. Werewolf in London. That's awesome. I was yeah. actually about to put that on my list earlier. I was looking through my collection. Yeah. And I I'm mean, like, this is why I had like a top 10 to 13, to be totally honest. Because I even like Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which can oh, arguably mm-hmm. be. But I mean, if we if, if had to settle on one, I might have to give the edge to Videodrome. But it, it, it pains me because I love American Werewolf in London and A Nightmare on Elm Street just as much. But I'll give it to David Cronenberg's Videodrome. Yeah. Ooh, that's a crazy movie. Yeah, it is. I got the criterion for that. Speaking of, did you? Yeah, actually, yeah. I got that too. The criterion. Shit's Man. great. Yeah. So the the thing is your number one. Then is that, is that what I'm getting out of this? Yeah, I think. Nice. I, I mean, okay. it, it, it will vary. It will change up between the thing and Dawn of the Dead, but okay. But the thing, it just I remember that's... that just terrifying me. The fact that he would kill dogs on screen, the way that he did, was like I was just like my mouth dropped, and. <laughs> There's just so many great I the way he John Carpenter and we're gonna get to this I guess, but John Carpenter's one of my favorite directors. He's done some shit, but he's done some amazing movies. Yeah. Amen. Yes, he I has. I think it's interesting that you said your jaw dropped that the fact that the thing kills dogs yeah. when today your jaw drops if the dog doesn't die in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> True enough. <laughs> At least yeah. for me. Yeah. I just recently watched John Wick, which was phenomenal, non horror film, but I had no idea what it was about going in. And the first thing I'm saying is they better not hurt the dog. <laughs> and meanwhile, that's the setup for the whole movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's like the first, that's the opening scene. No shit, huh? That's the setup for the whole movie. And that's not really a spoiler because it's probably in the description, but I just went in completely blind. And wow. so I'm an idiot. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know a damn thing about it. So, when I, and I, I do plan on eventually watching it because it has gotten some pretty good reviews. So, yeah, definitely check it out when you get a chance. I totally will. So now, it's interesting because I I knew my list right offhand because I did a show last year where we had to do our top ten. So I knew I used to have Friday Part One and Two oh. as one as well, but I had to narrow it down to five. And honestly. My number six would be Friday one. So I'm right there with you on that. And The Thing is also on my top ten. And I think I heard something else that's on my top ten. But so I'm right there, you know. Black Christmas? No, (laughs) not Black Christmas. (laughs) Black Christmas isn't even my favorite Christmas movie. It might be. Now, I will will say this. It may be the best made Christmas movie. I'm not an idiot. I won't say that it's not a well-made film. But if given the choice, it depends on the mood. 
Uh, sometimes I'd rather watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's just the way it is. Or yeah. two. <laughs> How about this? Garbage I've, day. There it is. <laughs> How about this? I've seen Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 one time in the 80s and never watched it again and never got all the garbage day references everybody was talking about for the last <laughs> because I just didn't remember. It was Part 2, and all I remember was being so disappointed because half of it was flashback, and the stuff that was modern day didn't really impress me. No. So I never watched another Silent Night, Deadly Night movie again. So I don't. I, I never got into it. You know? yeah, all you have to the search maker? Oh, the toy maker? <laughs> Sorry Isn't for talking over you there, Brandon. No, that's okay. Go ahead. What's that shit? Isn't that Mickey Rooney in there? Mickey, Mickey, Mickey Rooney, that, man. Yeah. Was that part five? Yeah. Was that five? Yeah. Yeah, I only saw the first two, honestly. I, you know, two was not very good. Three, I thought, Garbage was pretty brutal, too, to be honest. Better Watch Out or whatever it was called. That was, that at least tried to carry it over. It was ridiculous. I remember, I think he's walking around with his brain exposed in a big, like, salad bowl <laughs> thing, and it, he's, like, get picked up like he's hitchhiking. I, it's just fucking ridiculous. Like, that's, we'll end it that. There, that's horrible. Horrible movie. That is horrible. Okay, you mentioned Sorry. directors. You mentioned John Carpenter. Yes. Let's get get on that. Is he is he your man? Is he your favorite horror director? Yeah, it's that was another tough one. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I I think I have to give it between John Carpenter. Oh shit, there's too many. John Carpenter, George Romero, David Cronenberg, Brian De Palma, Tons. Wes Craven, fucking Sam Raimi. But Sam Raimi, the problem with Sam Raimi, I I I, I could easily dismiss him only because he dabbles more in comedy horror. Mm-hmm. So it's easy, but I love him. Like I mean, I love almost all the movies he's done. Uh, but John Carpenter for horror and just bizarro movies. John Carpenter, Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Big Trouble in Little China. I know that's a little off topic. That's a great movie. Yeah. For Prince of Darkness, whether it's, it's flawed or not. Christine. Christine yeah. is a flawed movie, but it's still fucking great. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm about that. All right, John Carpenter, that's good. I, I can dig that. All right, what about you, Brandon? Um, I think we might have the same answer if I remember what? correctly hearing your favorite director. And wow. um, I have to go with Dario Argento. Yes. That's a great yeah. choice, guys. I'm not going to lie. That's an awesome yeah, choice. It's, it was so hard to pick. I mean, honestly, you know, top any top lists, you know, we could probably yeah. interchange 15, 20 different answers and people would be like, yeah, that's that's a good choice. But Argento, I mean, from... Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which was first horror movie, you know, all the way through opera, like nine, ten movies. Yeah. Just made absolutely amazing films. That's I mean, true. I know he's fallen off now, and I mean, I haven't seen Dracula yet. The it's one that good. everyone is saying is awful. It's not, it's, <laughs> not, it's not good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think it's going to be good. It's but not horrible, check, but it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I'll check it out, but you know, Giallo was obviously atrocious. See, I didn't mind Giallo. There you go. See that. That's you why did, you didn't mind the jaundiced uh, Sylvester Stallone looking <laughs> killer. <laughs> I like the fact that Adrian Brody pre- played both. That was. Kind I of- love Adrian Brody, and even he was trying to. Even he was distancing distancing himself from that movie. Because I love him as an actor. I wish he would do more. I like him too. I just I thought the story was fine. It, it, it was a, it did, I, I didn't have any issues with the story. Once again, uh, here's my thing with Dario and why, yes, you're right. He is my favorite. He is my favorite because I have never watched a movie of his. And 
at the end said that sucked. There's every every single one that I watched, I've took something away. I remember for years, I did I didn't see Phantom of the Opera. Everyone uh-huh. t- everyone told me it sucked. It now, was pretty bad too. <laughs> it, okay, listen, I'm not saying it was good. Yeah. But I watched the movie, and the way everybody shit on it, I was expecting to be watching fucking something along the lines of like a full moon movie or an asylum, some real fucking atrocious, <laughs> awful piece of shit. And I watched this movie, and the bottom line is that I took something from it. I said, you know what? That wasn't as bad as fuck as I've been hearing. So for me, that was supposed to be his worst movie. Same thing with Dracula. There was a couple good sequences in it. Yep. Yeah, there was some bad CGI, and there was some other things, yeah. But he's the only director that, in my opinion, that I've never watched a movie in, in one way. I, I never want to see that movie again. That sucked. I, I I can't say that about our general. You know, to be honest, I can't say that I won't watch even the films that I think were bad by Argento again. But I think the reason why we are quick to say they suck is because we hold him to a much higher standard. Because obviously, you know, compared to a full moon movie, they're not the worst movies. Giallo, even yes, it's I thought it's a bad movie. I watched it. I would even watch it again. But it is not, like, the worst movie of all time. Not even close. Same thing with Phantom of the Opera, even though they're bad to me. Uh, right, they're fine. I can't admit that. I, I can't say, oh, those are good movies because nobody's going to agree. Yeah, I, I didn't I, watch them and say they sucked. I was, just right. like, I was just like, man, he really just fell off. He's not making, you know, Suspiria or no. Tenebrae or Deep no. Red. But who didn't fall off? Every that's, one of no, them. No, that's true. John Carpenter I think... did too. John Carpenter has right. Yes. Like I, I, twenty years ago, there'd be no question. Then he did like. To be honest, I hated Ghost of Mars. I didn't like the Ward. Um, Vampires. I saw at a screening, so I was a lot more forgiving of it. But I've never watched it since. There's been a, like everybody falls off at some point. That's why Tarantino wants to call it quits after uh, two more movies. Hateful Eight. Two more movies done. That he's retired. Good for him. Says, April 8, probably Kill Bill 3? Maybe. Yeah. That's the rumor. <laughs> that's the rumor. He might. Yeah. But that's a good idea. Why not get out? Because they all have gone to shit. I don't care who they are. It's true. It's like you said. Uh, I think that now Cronenberg is another director I really like. I don't think he ever went to shit. He just stopped. He only did so much in the horror genre. And even his horror stuff wasn't yeah. straight horror to begin yeah. with. Not all of it. So he did other things. And I haven't say I can't say that I, I followed it so close. I've seen a history of violence once. Don't remember. History and he did of a couple. Of, great. Okay. Eastern Palmerses and history of violence are great. Then he did things like Spider or whatever. I'm not a fan. Um, I like Spider. You did like. You know what? Yeah. I did not dig that movie. I think his last one was Map of the Stars. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That so was his most recent. He's not. He's he's kind of going David Lynchy. It seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, makes sense. But like Dead Ringers, Videodrome, The Fly, fucking Scanners. I mean, exploding awesome. heads. Anybody? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice. Ding ding ding. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking rabid. I mean, the like there there's so many great movies that he did. Um, and again, got a hand. You Canadian. Canadian guy, man. So you gotta, I gotta give it to him where, where it gets. But th- yeah, he's definitely gone off genre films for sure. Yeah, but I mean that's it. I mean that's the only knock that I could say he did great things. Like you know, if I'm picking a two or a three, it's Carpenter and Cronenberg. That's just that's all there is to it. They're fucking, yeah. they're great. But I'm glad I got an art general. You know how rare it is to talk to somebody, even horror fans, 
and they tell you that Argento was their favorite director. It doesn't happen a lot, so wow. Yeah, I'm surprised because, to be honest, like he was my first um, Italian horror director that I saw, and that just, I mean, opened up my world to, I mean, a whole culture of amazing films, you know, Fulci and Bava and... And Bava Jr. and <laughs> I know oh, it's not Bava Jr. <laughs> but Terror at the Opera is like, or, or Opera is like one of my favorites. I I love oh, that keyhole sequence where oh. he showcases the gun, aims it. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. beautiful, yes. with the Jennifer fucking Connelly, and yeah. that movie, that movie is fucking batshit crazy, and <laughs> I love it, but. It's funny that you say that because I kind of had a boost to bump him off my list. Because again, if I had a top ten directors, he, he, there's no question he'd be on it. But it's just trying to narrow it down. It's so difficult for me. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I hate yeah. it. <laughs> it's a good problem to have, though. Lots yeah. of great directors, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you ask me again next week, I'll pick someone else. <laughs> Not me, man. I'm I'm always gonna be. I, I if someone ever comes along and knocks him off, I'd be very surprised. I, I don't think it could happen. But it's such a great body of work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. All right, now. What what else do we have next year? We got a let's get a couple more in there. We got the movies we talked about. Okay, this ought to be fun. Let's talk about movies that you consider overrated or underrated, you know, uh, according to, you know, c- comparing to the general, you know, horror audience. I'm not saying, you know, you know what I mean? I, I don't want it to be um, a bash session for the fuck <laughs> overrated. They might still be a good movie. You might consider them good, but I can you know. I still consider my overrated movie a classic, and I actually still really like it. I just think it's overrated because most people have it as their number one. You know, oh, okay. a lot of critics do anyway, and it's just not for me. Okay, so, go on. I, I think that's I the exorcist. All right. I knew, you knew what was going there, right? It, it, you know, yeah, yep. I mean, I'm. Damn it. I foreshadowed earlier. Damn. Um, I just watched it last week, and like I said, I told the story. I just watched it, and as I'm watching the fucking movie, I, I have to tell my wife as I'm watching it, and she's trying to talk to me, especially in the beginning when they're in Iraq. I love that shit, like the first 15 minutes. See, I'm and that's so a focused. problem for me. That it's so, that it's The first 15 minutes moves so slow for me. Wow. I'm just like, I'm not engaged yet. I love it. That turns me on so much because it's the history of what's going to... Everything with Mirren in that story turns me on because, especially if you've read the book, and you, and you know about the history, the whole story. Granted, at the forefront, you have Father Karras and, you know, the faithless preacher who, who becomes a hero and his mother. And it's his story. But at the heart of it all, it's really Marin versus Pazuzu. That's what this whole thing is about. And the history of that, it sucks me in every time and knowing that. And I love seeing the beginning. And holy shit, the way it's shot. The cinematography, especially in that stuff in Iraq. It's something about the way people are running by. I can't even explain how they did it back then. It looks high def, but at the time they couldn't have filmed it high def. It's just, I don't know what it is. It's just, I love that. A lot of people, well, there you go. You're one of them. You're not into that stuff. That stuff there, as I got older, it sucked me in more and more is that stuff. It's weird. Yeah, you start to appreciate it more. Your tastes change, you know. Yeah, they do. Um, They do. You know, I just thought the film, I mean, it's, it's, for its time, it's brilliant. It relies heavily on its shock value. 
and I'm, I was just thinking to myself, and I think it's an unfair question, but I was thinking, you know, would it hold up today and scare people the way it supposedly did in theaters back then? You know, people fainting in the aisles and <laughs> and vomiting and all this. But, you know, I, I, I don't even like that to think about that question. Would it hold up today? Because honestly, it's hard to scare me now with it because, you know, with these horror movies, it takes a certain type of horror movie to to really disturb me at this point. I think you become a little desensitized when you watch as many movies as we do. Oh, yeah, us, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> for so, sure. But I definitely think it would probably still hold up if for somebody who hasn't seen it. So, okay, let me... Uh, so you say it's overrated, you still respect... Yeah, it sounds it sounds like I shouldn't be saying it's overrated since I'm like actually defending it now. <laughs> I'm, just I'm a curious. very I I you know what I hate to bash movies. I There's do too. a few movies I've seen this year that I've absolutely hated. I thought were garbage. I would say they're shit, but usually I don't like to do that because I know that that piece of shit is somebody's baby. Right. And so you know, but I mean, obviously for the listeners and stuff, we want to be critical. We have to be. Of course. Yeah. Right. But, but you know, The Exorcist, you know, if I'm rating this movie, I'm still giving it, you know, an 8 out of 10. It's it's a great movie. Right. But it's not one that I'm like, it sits in my collection, but it's not one that I've run back to anytime soon. And maybe I should. That might yeah. change. That might change my perception of it being slow because, honestly, the last time I probably saw it had to be at least five years ago. Oh, man. Okay, let me ask you this. Well, okay, no. Next time you watch it, you have it on blue. Or no? I don't have the blue. I have the DVD. Okay, all right. If you can get the blue, and if you can set yourself up, I don't care how and where. What you should do is watch it high def. Watch it on blue. Watch it with surround sound. Experience mm-hmm. it. Watch it in the dark by yourself, and just take the fucking movie in. And it's it, it, to me, it's mind blowing. It, it's like The Shining to me. It, it's it's that type of. It really sucks you in, and you know what? I really, I, it was always my favorite. But when I went to the theater in, in 2000, they re-released it. If you remember, at the, at the theater. Yeah. And when I saw it in the theater, it was before the days of surround sound and things like that. So I mean, to the, to, you know, to the degree that we have it now, and in the theater, you know, they have the greatest, you know, the, the greatest sound you can have at that time, especially. So, I was picking things up in the speakers that I'd never heard before, and I, it was blowing my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh. Now, you know, since then, I'm all, I'm, I'm big on, I'm... <laughs> yes, and then I went out that night, and... <laughs> yeah, right. Just hearing shit. I'm, I'm the Gemini killer. <laughs> Sorry. But no, that's great, but uh, now I really appreciate it. Now I got surround sound. I'm big on technical shit, so I, I want to hear it. That's helped it, too, and, and everything else, but let me just, I'll say one thing about that. Think about the fact that everybody has tried to have a movie either with the word exorcism or exorcist or about that subject matter since, and no one has been able to come close, in my opinion, to that movie. That's that is, makes it, that's al- that I would almost consider fact. That right? really, nothing, yeah, you're, you're absolutely one hundred percent on the, the mark. Closest with that. was the exorcism of Emily Rose. I'm closest, and I'm not even saying it's in the same league. I yeah, agree. But, I agree yeah, with but you. But that would be that was at least freaky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think we all agree on that. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> cool. That's that was cool. a good one, but yeah, but again, not in the same league. Yeah, not not the same. You're all right, so there. so I defended my most my most overrated film, and now I'm probably gonna not only upgrade it, 
would probably <laughs> love it. So, see, this is the start that of something was... great. I, I'm known to do this. I'm known to sway people. I, I, I can. I'm a good talker when I need to be. Yeah, you and brainwashed I'm... me. Right. <laughs> I love it. I, I might put it in my number one spot right now. Take yeah. silence of the lambs off. Let's, let's keep talking. Yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> retrospective. Next week. That's it. <laughs> we'll do it all. Now, this is funny because you, you and I are going to have a similar exact thing. I'm going to talk about your favorite movie and how I think it's overrated, but I don't hate it. Once again, it's a movie that I would give an 8 out of 10. Same thing you said about The Exorcist, so yeah. it's really strange. I think Black Christmas is overrated. And really? Because I, it's... Not as well known, I guess. In the horror community, it is. Yes, in the horror, not not yeah. not in the world, but in the yeah. horror community, everybody talks about it like it's fact that it's the first this and it's this and that and that Carpenter got ideas from this, yeah, and everything else. And I take issue with that because, yeah, I I don't know the extent of you know what it influenced after it came out. But I, I just, I don't know. I love the film. I love the atmosphere of it. I love the characters. And I love the mystery of it. I, you know, I'm not going to. I gonna... do too. But they cheated us in the mystery. That's my biggest fucking gripe. But, it's a... And I don't know if I mind that they cheated us. Really? I, I don't know that I mind. I, I feel like if I got an answer, it, you know, it would kind of maybe make me like it less. Because every time I watch it, I'm just. Yeah. Looking for clues. You forget you forget the, the outcome almost. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching almost, it yeah. like like a detective, like looking at everything. Well then that's why okay, here's what I don't get. Every single sign points to that boyfriend. There's yes. even that scene where for no reason he's in the house. He would have no business even being in that house. And he comes yeah. downstairs after the phone call has been made and something's said about it. Now what that's what I'm saying. If you're gonna have a red herring have the red herring make sense where it's like, okay, well, that's explained because of this. And the part at the end when he's banging on the door and she's in the basement, and he, he wouldn't act that way. There's no reason for a person, just because someone doesn't answer the door right away, nobody's going to react in that manner to go downstairs and, and start banging on the door. Hey, and she's down, he's acting a fool, doing all this stuff. Again, red herring, fine. If you, if you don't want to make him the killer at the end of the movie and give it that ambiguous ending, which is the reason everyone loves it, mm-hmm. Make that make the red herring thing make sense. And if cops come in a house, I have a feeling there's dead, they know there's dead bodies in the house. I have a feeling, just an inkling, they would probably check the attic at one point while they're there. Well, you assume after the credits roll that eventually they'll go check the attic because they even reference that they're going that they have to check the attic. But then the uh, the father passes out, so they rush to take him to the hospital. Well, maybe you got me on that. Maybe because they do reference it, like we need to search the entire house, and then the father faints. You know, when he finds out that you know his daughter's dead, and right. Why would all the cops leave? They're they're investigating. Yeah, well, that's silly. All the cops. There were like <laughs> they give four cops, and they all do out. run out and take them to the hospital. And there's one cop standing outside, and then obviously the final scene. But to defend the red herring, I think very early on, seeing the boyfriend in the conservatory you know, kind of blowing his big shot with his recital is just, it, it's evident that he is having a nervous breakdown. 
Right, and it's so, even referenced on a phone call when they say it's just like having a wart removed. How would that person know that if it wasn't the boyfriend? See, that's yeah, that is the one thing that bothers me, and I keep watching and I keep looking for something, and I'm not giving up on finding something because <laughs> I, I do agree with you that it is the one thing, but I, I don't know. I just still love you know the atmosphere and the the feel of the whole movie. Yo, I dig the atmosphere. That's why I like it. I can watch that movie. I can take it in. I really do like that atmosphere of that movie. And it's a 70s style, which I like and a lot of people like. I think if a movie like that, though, if that movie didn't exist now and somebody made that movie now, this day and age, and the plot points were all the same, people would be trashing it. They would say, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense. How could this happen? This doesn't hold any water. You know how audiences are now. They don't give you a pass on shit that they they used to give a pass on in the 80s and 70s. If If this movie came out now, same thing, and those things happen, I have a feeling more people would see that for what it is and say, well, what the fuck? That's stupid. Because that's the way I feel. I do, like I said, I enjoy the atmosphere. I respect things about the movie. It wasn't the first of anything. It wasn't the first Christmas horror movie. It wasn't the first fucking POV slasher. It, there's, there's, it was not. There, there's, uh, I brought that up on a whole other show I did last Christmas on Banana Laser. I don't want to turn this into a batch of that movie. Because <laughs> again, what would you, what would I, you consider the first POV slasher? Peeping Tom. Well, yeah, and 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 what about Hitchcock? Sweet. Did POV murder in other movies? Psycho and others, for that matter. Yeah, Carpenter even referenced that on the commentary for Halloween, saying that the, the POV in the beginning of the Myers house. Right away, he goes, boom, he goes, right there, that's Hitchcock, he said. Right away. I don't think he has, he has an agenda to go out and motherfuck Bob Clark. I just don't think he would. It doesn't make sense to me. It's in the realm of possibilities, but I don't think so. No, I'm, I don't think so either. You know, I, mean, I just think that other things have been done. They're just lesser known. But I think that Black Christmas kind of blended everything. And mm-hmm. because they had the atmosphere of like a, a college dormitory type thing, that it gets that type of credit, and of course, all the '80s slashers. You know, they love to do that stuff with you know, uh, yeah. teen girls in, in a house getting murdered. It was copied again and again. Well, the, the call coming in from the house was pretty, pretty fucking awesome. unique at that point. Awesome, uh, but it had yeah. been done before. That had also been done, and what do you call it? Well, no, when a stranger calls came out after. No, but the one a stranger calls that is it, that's an urban legend thing. It's like the guy with yeah. that story was told by babysitters. For years in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, you know? yeah, you're right. Yeah, but then what they did was they remade it into a piece of shit. They remade it, oh. it, remade it into Black Xmas, which <laughs> I, I, uh, I, although I call it Black Xmas, is actually, I guess it depends on where you look at it. The advertising was Black Xmas, but it is a Black Christmas remake. And tell me that that's not just fucking brutal. I haven't seen it. I haven't oh. seen it. I Would saw you- it in theaters and I was just, ugh. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it was it was pretty brutal. Gory, stupid mess. You want yeah. to talk about a setup? Like they 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 screw themselves in the setup, and right away you're like, Did, this doesn't make any sense, and it just falls apart from there. But anyway, right. But I hear you. That's now one one more thing I can add to this: the phone call thing. I watched it with my friend last year, and this friend and I have been watching horror movies together since the '80s, and to this day we still do it. That's and I awesome. go, when? Yeah, it's great. And I go, when's the last time you seen Black Christmas? Because I he goes, I don't know, when we were kids. I said we're gonna watch it this year. So I watched it, put it in, we watched the movie. He found out on his own halfway through the movie. As soon as they said, because they, they give it away, they shouldn't have done that. They said, is there are there any other phones in this house? They go, well, we think there's one upstairs in the attic or in the what's her name's room. Something or other. They 
they basically show their hand saying that there's another phone in the house that they haven't checked. As soon as that happened, my friend turns and looks at me and goes, well, the, the, phone's, the calls are coming from inside the house. I said, okay, I'm not saying a word. But that's what I'm saying. It, yeah, the other the other phone was uh, in the house mother's room, and yes. you sneak down, you use her phone, and then sneak back up. Right. So the mystery really wasn't that hard to figure out if you think if you know anything. Any experienced horror fan should be able to, you know. Yeah, yeah but he's gone through years of conventions and cliches and everything True. that 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 has defined the genre. And and yeah, at the time, I I, I don't and, and to be honest, I don't even think this was a big hit when it came out. I think this got a no. following later. It did, right? So, it did. But it's yeah. just you know what it is. You know what it is, guys. When I got into um, the internet and the message boards, and like you know, around, around two thousand or whatever, when that was the big thing with horror, you know, because when we were young, there wasn't none of that. No. The only thing I had was Fangoria magazine yeah. and, and the reader letters and the people that I I saw there and the people that I watched them with that were friends. One thing the internet did was bring us all together. I mean, that's why we're here now, as a yeah. matter of fact. But absolutely, you know. This started with just message boards. So I'm I'm on Fangoria message boards and a couple others, and you're talking to other people. Hey, have you ever seen this movie? And you know, and you're learning things. And I was able to see more stuff that I may have missed in in, in its initial run, or I, I blew it off. And everybody was ranting and raving about Black Christmas. And like I said, just like my friend, I remember seeing it when I was young, but I don't remember taking anything away from it that it was memorable. So everybody was like Black Christmas, Black Christmas. It was so hyped up by the horror crowd that I'm like, oh fuck, okay, can't wait to get it. And then I bought the thing, and I came home, and I watched it, and I was like, hmm, it was good. You know, I just, I didn't see 10 out of 10 Carpenter Halloween status type shit. That, that's all I'm saying. That's why I say it's overrated. It seems that everybody kind of gives it that, you know, puts you know, it on ra- their face. Ra- rating all these movies is kind of tough. The rating system, you know, even doing a, a, you know, 0 to 10 can be tough. I was talking to a buddy of mine earlier, and... I have movies that I rate sixes, and he laughs at me. He's like, those movies are shit. And, and <laughs> you know, just to sum up a movie as shit, you know, I can't just say this is shit unless it truly is just shit. Um, but for the most part, it's it's a six out of ten. You know, it's one point above five, which a five to me is just a film that I've seen that I've taken nothing away from. I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I'm indifferent. I saw it. And it's done with. Mm-hmm. It's average. Yeah, I I told like I don't usually like two. I don't dwell on it. Like two days later, I'm like, God, I'm so angry. I saw that movie. There's only like one movie that this. Yeah, one movie that I've seen this year that I'm like angry that I watched it because <laughs> it, like it just pissed me off because it was a mainstream release and it made a lot of money and I just feel like they robbed people of thirty eight million dollars because that's how much it made hmm. this movie. And that's wow. the gallows. I'll just say it. Oh, okay, okay. I saw it, that. And I would give that a five. Jesus, I, I gave it a two. Honestly, wow. I just, I just thought it was absolutely atrocious. I wow. just, I don't know why that that it just, I just hated it. I I don't hate on movies. It's, <laughs> right. It's, it's, and even a two out of ten, I gave it some points just for you know being, I guess, a well produced movie. I mean, it had a budget, so you know it looks good, but. It offered nothing new. It ran for like 70 minutes, which for a theatrical release, it's, come on. Yeah, that's short. It's found footage. That's what happened. That's really short, yeah. It was really short. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these indie directors with, you know, $100 budgets are making 90-minute movies <laughs> yeah. and telling original stories. Oh, oh, well, yeah. Don't get me started on indie versus fucking what comes yeah. to, to, to well, Hollywood. Yeah. 
No, shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not hating on Hollywood because, you I know, that's, that's, that's what I grew up on. So, right. you know, I, I still give credit to the mainstream movies, but it seems like everything, it doesn't seem like it, everything is formulaic at this point. They're just regurgitating the same movie over and over to turn a profit. Yep. And I get it. It's a business. It's, you know, they have to make money. That's what they're doing it for. But, you know, try to offer up something a little fresh, a little original every now and then. I feel you. Did you see The Gallows, Christian, or no? No, I haven't seen it yet, but okay. I don't know if I'm going to bother that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very average found footage movie. Uh, I, here's what I... I hate the, found the, footage movies. I oh, I can't stand them. Oh, no. no, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. I just... It's been <laughs> I, it's been done. Like, when they were talking about Friday the 13th, the new one being done in found footage, I'm like, oh, I didn't want that. go fuck yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I think that was everyone's reaction. Yeah, fuck that. Right. But no, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> I've enjoyed some of them. Open Water, the original Blair Witch, you know, Paranoil, Paranormal Activity. But you know what? Okay, I'm, do- I'm done with them now. Even the VHS ones, okay, good. But I'm, I'm done with them now. Not viral, though. Not viral. No, nope. agreed. Oh, agreed. This was a weak year for it. I think last year was a very good year for it. And I think that not even so much shaky cam style. I think what they're doing now with the mockumentary type thing uh, works a, a, a lot better than, you know, old school shaky cam. Granted, it's you say that because one of the mockumentaries I saw this year was absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And I was expecting nothing from it. The uh, Atticus Institute. It let me down. See, I, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want I love those fucking uh, mockumentaries. I, I was into that. I was into it for a while, then the story just got too convoluted, and I just ultimately uh, I didn't. I, I fell out of it. I think I gave it a five or a six. I would say I just, and it's it's too bad because like I love those movies. See, and, and I gave it like a six and a half, but to me that's a good six and a half. There's right. a bad six and a half and a good six and a half, and that all has to do with you know the hype of the movie. Certain movies that were very hyped. For this year that mm-hmm. I saw, I might have given sixes too, but that's a bad six. Oh, like It Follows, right? Yeah. I loved It Follows. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, it. That's my overrated movie of the year. Oh, okay. There it is. Wow. <laughs> I know, and I'm really? not going to make any fans with that one, but yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, you're yeah, not alone. I've heard, yeah, I've heard people not like it. <laughs> you're not alone. I've heard a lot of people not like it. Um, and a lot of the things that people say they don't like about it are the things that I like about it. And again, it goes back to it being a very ambiguous, you know, not a lot is explained. There's some silliness going on, which even though people are like, this is ridiculous, it kind of makes sense. Like, why should these characters know what to do? They're kids. That's exactly. What kids do. They, they shouldn't know what to do. No, I hate it sh- in a movie when automatically they, they know exactly what to do. They're building weapons and they're armed and they're ready to, you know tackle the supernatural force but in this they had no idea and that that made sense who right. would have any idea exactly I, 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 and i'm gonna have to give it another try but it was like the mythology of the film itself seemed to contradict itself within the film and i you know i know i made mention of this before but i watched it with my wife because i thought she i it got a lot of hype and like oh this one she's gonna love too and we both came out of that going eh it was missing something the acting was great you know the opening was phenomenal, but it just yeah. it just missed the mark for me, and I just everybody was calling it the, like the second coming, and I couldn't wait to see it, and I, it just let me down. Damn, it's funny I you say that. Respect that. 
Yeah, I, I respect it too. Yeah, and I, I would say, you know, even though I was just crapping all over the gallows, I would always tell people, you got to check it out for yourself. Yeah, and it's yeah. You, just, with, you just never know. Oh, exactly. And it falls, goes without saying. I mean, I'm uh, not a lone wolf, but as you mentioned, there are people that share my thought of this, but there's many others that think it's amazing. So you owe it to yourself to check it out for sure. Oh, yeah. It's, it's obviously a very subjective movie because I'm hearing things all over the place. Just like last year's Babadook, same thing. Some people loved it, some people fucking hated it. And it's weird because I think that the Babadook last year and It Follows this year are two of the most praised movies I've seen in a very long time, yet they've taken more heat than a lot of other movies. So it's weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like... Uh, you know, some movies are just like middle of the road. And, you know, some people think they're great. Some people don't necessarily hate them. But those two movies, people genuinely do fucking hate them. And I'm like, wow. You know, I think maybe they has... hate the hype, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think it has something to do with, you know, the critical reception that these movies are getting. Sometimes your expectations are built up so high. I, I even, you know... I'm sure you guys do this too, but sometimes when I'm done watching a movie, I'll go on Facebook and I'll post, this movie was amazing. It was so good. It was excellent. Yeah. And now I'm trying to get into the habit to, you know, sit on the movie a little bit, think about it for a few days before just posting, this is the greatest movie ever. Cause you know, you do that more times than not. Nobody's going to you know, listen to any of your recommendations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This guy loves everything. Right. Yeah. This guy gives everything a 10. <laughs> right. But that is better than those assholes that shit on everything. And, yeah, no, you can't you just, know, you, know, oh, you know, at least give, you know, give a, give some reasons why and give some points for the good things because the movie, these movies do have some good things, these low-rated movies. They sure do. People yeah. just like to hate nowadays. And it's funny because people that grew up in our time or, you know, they go, oh, I love everything 80s, but I can't watch anything from 2015 or, or 14. Or, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. 2014 and 15 are two of the best years, in my opinion, yeah. since the 80s. I really yeah. think that we're peaking again. I think it's great. I think there's so much, to, there's so many different things going on. And I don't know. I don't know why. I think why. the last five years have been pretty, pretty solid. They've slow. They they've gradually gotten better. I think yeah. that thirteen was really good. I yeah, think thirteen that was good. Fourteen was the best. I think that fifteen is a notch below fourteen, but still great. So I, I have to agree with you. I was on the um, verge early on in my watching t- of saying that fifteen might be better than fourteen, and then I started to catch some lesser popular movies, and for good reason. But fourteen was a phenomenal year. Yeah. Oh man, wasn't it? Holy shit. Yeah. In fact, my number one for 2014 when we did our top tens was actually a film that some people, I guess, had on their 2013 list. So I mean, I couldn't leave it off because I just thought it was such a terrific film. From the third? Oh, what was it? It was the Battery. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The Battery's good, I, but I thought the Battery was a 13. So. You know, I didn't. I, you know what? I kind of just base it on when I can get access to it. So sometimes these fringe movies like there was no way i could have seen it i i don't i don't know how people saw it in 13 i, I saw it on it. hulu of all places did you yeah all right then i was wrong i just couldn't leave it off the list so i cheated unless i <laughs> fucked up maybe i fucked up and no I you didn't because be- and left it off the list no you didn't because um a lot of guys in, in other podcasts you know gave it like an honorable mention you know because it had the scream factory release but they you know, excluded it from the list. Like a lot of people are excluding A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night from this year's list. 
Oh, no, 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 you can't because their movie, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, wasn't even available in the States until Netflix, and that was in 15. That's what I'm saying, but a lot of people are already talking about excluding it. No, no, uh, no, no. You know how you figure it out? You go to IMDb, and if it plays at festivals, that doesn't count for shit. It it, it counts when it's mass, when you could see it on either VOD or on a streaming service in the States. Festivals don't count for shit, in my opinion, because nobody, not not, not nobody, Jason Lloyd, he saw It Follows at a festival last year, and he put it as his number one of 14. You know, yeah, I, I love watching Jason's list because and getting recommendations from him because he always knows the new movies for the next year. Right. Yes. And I'm already set for 2016 with a bunch of titles <laughs> because of uh, all the movies he's seen. Yeah, that, that's a great thing about going to the festivals, and he goes yeah. to that amazing one that's a week long and, and it's total, totally kick-ass. So that's awesome. But you know, I mean, you got to go with when it's some movies were released in 2013, but we don't get them here till 15. So we got to go with Fifth Womb when we see them. That's yeah, just... The Harvest was made in, like, 2012. I know, right? And that was a new movie. And yeah, that's that's a, a... that was a pretty solid film. Yes, it was, and that's a 15 as well. It's, yeah. That's just the way I do it. I go to IMDb, and I look, and I see the release dates, and, you know, festivals don't count. That's just how I look. It's the only way that makes sense, because how is the average guy going to see them? No, that makes sense. It does. So that's what I go with. So, yeah, so overrated movies. Um, is there anything that anybody wants to mention that they consider to be underrated or not even underrated a movie that they really like a lot that they don't think everybody's seen and they'd like to you know recommend it something Christian, like you want to go first on this one it's so difficult when you're dealing with horror fans because they're a very picky painful mm-hmm. bunch to deal with it's like i'm a big heavy metal fan it's the same sort of thing too you know you get one person saying it's fantastic another one saying like I don't even know what's considered underrated anymore. Like I love the I know. I love the loved ones. I love Splinter. I love House of the Devil. But I don't even know if those are considered underrated. They uh they're all movies that came out that got a fairly good run. So it's difficult to say if they're underrated, but those are movies that I'd definitely say check out if you haven't checked them out already. The loved ones is amazing because for whatever reason uh, people probably dismiss it right away for torture porn, which is a name I hate. But I'll yeah, terrible. I, I, I hate that name. But and most of the movies like that fall under that, though. Are, truth be told, are shit. However, the loved ones has a lot of heart and is a great film, um, in my opinion. Uh, Splinter, I agree. Splinter, I agree too. Yeah, Splinter came out a few years ago. That's kind of like the thing. But low budget in like a gross, like in a gas station. It was a. I caught it by accident. I didn't hear anything about it. So I think that's the reason why um, I kind of loved it. And, you know, it's not like a movie I've watched a million times or anything like that, but I've watched it a couple of times and I really, really enjoy it. And it kind of came out of nowhere for me. And House of the Devil, um, very slow burn, but I liked what they did there to make it look like kind of like a 70s uh, horror film. Yeah, and I I guess these are underrated also because it's just, you know, people see them and whether or not they praise them or not, it seems like they don't get mentioned again. Right. Yeah. House of the Devil may because a lot of people like to crap all over Ty West. You know, they either love him or hate him. They do that with a lot of directors. But yeah. and you, you can't what? you can't judge a director by you know one movie He's whether you like too. it or not. But I like I, I like the House of the Devil. I like the Angelskeepers. And love I love me too. Yeah. Me too yeah. And I'm like, yeah. there's there's two right there. And I don't remember the was it 
the roost was that his first one or yeah the roost i believe yeah yeah i, I wasn't a fan of that one but i still give it like uh, are you said brandon you give him credit man it was like it was coming from nothing and he made a freaking movie yeah <laughs> like i mean and i mean and like and for and it's not a piece of shit like it's not like an asylum release as i think you said dave earlier it, right yeah you know it's actually coming from a place like there's some heart and there's some something behind it that you can actually like you, you know dig your teeth into that's why it's more difficult to say that's ah, a piece of shit because you know that actually was some blood sweat and tears was put into it yeah if you can tell that the filmmakers were trying to make a good film if it doesn't turn out well you still got to give credit. Yeah. You know, it's when these filmmakers, you know, say they were trying to make a bad film and, you know, it turns out to be a bad film. It's like, no, you weren't. Yeah. You weren't trying to make a bad film. Why right. would you do that? Right. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, I feel you. And I like all those movies that you mentioned. Oh, great. Every yeah, me too. Them. I actually haven't seen Splinter, but I oh, have heard good. good things about it. So I am going to definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely good. Definitely. You know, I have uh, I wrote down two movies. Um, the first movie is Otis. Ah, you guys still, seen Otis? I still have I've been blowing it off for years. You know what? You know the weird? It's that weird zombie movie, right? Like no, Otis of... is um, the guy who kidnaps um, the young cheerleader. Oh, I'm thinking of Fido. My bad. Yeah. Fido. yeah. Otis, I don't fucking know. Okay. Otis is he kidnaps a cheerleader and he wants to like take her to prom, so he like sets up like a fake prom. It's kind of it's a, huh. definitely considered a horror comedy. And the funny thing is, I was looking at some underrated, um, some overrated movie lists, and this movie showed up on a couple of lists. And I'm like, right. overrated? I'm like, yeah. nobody talks, talks about this film anymore. <laughs> and it's a really entertaining film. I thought so anyway. And they have an alternate ending on the DVD that, to be honest, I'm glad they didn't go with the alternate ending. Because if they had, it would have been such a depressing, disturbing ending. It just it would have t- had a total shift in tone. Uh, yeah, they were going for it to be comedic, but it had like a feel of like funny games. Oh. The alternate ending. Yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah, um, no, I enjoyed it. Um, the other one I have is a Section 3 title. You know, the the list right below the video nasties, the one Texas Chainsaw is on. And <laughs> oh, I think right. it's like eight, I think it's like 82 films on the Section 3 list. Mm. There's 72 on the video nasties and like 82 on the Section 3. Um, and it's a film called Schoolgirls in Chains, and it's the most misleading title ever. And well, it's school a film. Schoolgirls in Chains. No, not one girl. I don't think there's any chains in the movie. <laughs> and uh, so it's you know, not a Linda Blair movie. Yeah. From no. And to be honest, this it's, film. Right, right. You, <laughs> if you see this film, and you really should, you can pick up the DVD real cheap. It's very. I don't want to say it's very inspired by because I don't know if it's inspired by, but you could tell that it's a lot like Psycho. There's a lot of elements to it are like Psycho. Interesting. And you really connect with the with the two bad guys. They're, they're brothers who play the bad, the bad guys, the antagonists in this. And you really connect with them on a way you kind of connect with Norman Bates. Really? Oh, yeah. And I think they used a lot of theatrical actors f- for this film. Uh, really a terrific film, underrated film. I'm always telling people to to buy it. It just sounds like an exploitation film, but it's really, really well done and kind of heartbreaking. And I love the ending, the last scene. It's just to me, it's just terrific. It makes it a very emotional film. Nice. I'm big on endings. I'll tell you, a lot of times they make or break. You know, 
yeah, look, it's 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 heavily influenced by Psycho. I'll just go ahead and say it because <laughs> it really it really is. You have to check it out. Yeah, we'll do. Definitely. Well, speaking of movies that remind me of Psycho in a way, this is kind of a. You guys may may or may not know this movie. Has anybody seen a movie called Pin? Yes. Canadian, okay. Canadian horror film. I should have known better. Okay. <laughs> Pin. I'm not saying it's underrated, but it's a movie that nobody talks about. I don't think a lot, a whole lot of people are aware of it. So anytime I get a chance to mention a movie, you know, that I have to bring that up because you know, Dave. The only other time I've heard people talk about Pin is when they're saying that this is a film that's not mentioned a lot. Oh, there you go. The one or two other times I've heard it. Yeah, and or it's if- true. And, and it's true. And it's what probably one of the only movies, maybe not the only movie, but one of the only movies that like someone has sex with a mannequin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean This is true. I admittedly stats on that. Admittedly I did not enjoy it when I was the first time I saw it. And you know, to be honest, it was because I was younger and I wanted a fast paced horror movie. Right. And you know, I wasn't in, I wasn't looking I had a friend over and we weren't really looking for that style of film. But then I saw it again and yeah, it's I can hear you. That that's definitely an underrated movie. Yeah, I I can't see the younger audience connecting with it because it's really more of a character piece. And I think for me anyway, you just start to appreciate those more when you're older. You get a little bit more understanding you yeah. experience the world and you can kind of connect and understand and sympathize with these characters. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I didn't see it till I was older either, so I was at least shit. Yeah, I, I was at least in my late twenties or uh, you know thirties probably yeah. when I saw it. I think it, I was so. in my twenties also when I saw it. So it's a really good film, and it has that thing. Like it has a, you know, in a way it, you can compare it to Psycho, and you know what I mean. It's almost like a, not a reverse Psycho, but a reverse Psycho is Friday the Thirteenth, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm not going down that road, but um, <laughs> but but that's one. But there's something else I want to, and a lot of people probably do like this movie. But I like to bring it up because maybe not everyone has given it a chance. But Amityville 2: The Possession is just a great movie, and it's better than the original. Definitely, it's, yeah. it's just I, I just love that movie. It's un- unfortunately the third act isn't as strong as the first two, but the first two are as strong as any two acts in any horror movie. I just love the atmosphere of that movie, and I can't stress it enough. Even if you don't like the first one, because oh. some people think it's too slow and boring. Not me, but some people just don't like it. And You've got to see, if you haven't seen Amityville 2, The Possession, you're doing yourself a disservice. So. Oh, it's darker, it's, it's, it's sleazier, it's more violent, it's, uh, it's creepier than the first one by far. Or, yeah, and the third one, for that matter. <laughs> Quite disturbing. Yeah, the third one was a disappointing. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the third one. Yeah, it, it, that's just it. It's just not memorable. There's nothing. Yeah. It, it's not a piece of shit like the ones that came after. But it's just yeah. And now there's movies coming out with Amityville in the title that have nothing to do with the with the franchise. And it's like, come on, stop doing this. Cashing in. That's but two, I totally agree with you. Very dark. Yeah. Very dark and great. Yeah, I, I just love it. I, I love the atmosphere, it, and you know what it is? It genuinely does creep me out. Yeah, it's it, it, it it's not easy to do. If I watch that movie at home with the fucking lights off by myself, there's certain little things in that movie that 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 make me feel uneasy. Like when when he's home alone and he hears that 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 little sinister laugh, 
It's yeah. still low. It's right before he gets possessed. And certain little things happen in that movie that just creep me out. And that doesn't happen. The Shining can do that to me. The twin scene in The Shining, the, the old lady in the bathtub, certain things. Amityville 2, a couple a couple scenes in Halloween with Michael, a couple things in Friday 2 with Sackhead Jason, are, they affect me. But really, you know, because you know how we are. We're, we're horror fans that have seen it all. There's not too many times we're going to watch a movie and say, oh, shit, that scared me. It doesn't happen. I might get a jump scare occasionally, <laughs> especially with my wife, because that, that, that's one great thing about seeing a movie with a woman is – when they jump scare, they grab you, and that makes you fucking jump. <laughs> yeah. I love that. You know, yeah. one of my first experiences when I, when I was a kid, I saw Witchboard uh, at this place called the Riviera Theater in the balcony. It's an old theater from a long time ago, and I went to see Witchboard, and I was like 15 or something. And the the pack the, the place was packed with all kids, all kids my age, 15, 16 years old, whatever. And we were all in this place. And there was only a few jump scares, but every time, I mean, and it's, it's 50%, it's like date night, you know, 50% of the people in the audience are women. And these young girls are going, ah, and they're, and they're screaming. And to me, I always remember that night because it, every time they were doing it, it was making me do it because that's what happens. They grab onto you, they're next to you. It was, it was the experience of it. So anytime something scares me that way or I get that reaction, it's, you know, it's very. I, I hold it near and dear to the heart because. Oh yeah. Let's face it. It doesn't happen much, you know, for for pros like us, I should say. <laughs> True enough. Let's get to this first review, uh, "Alone in the Dark." Before we start this, I just want to say that uh, I, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the show that we don't want to do spoilers, and for most most of the time for old movies, we're not going to. This particular movie is one that there, there, there's something in there, a, a twist-type thing, a reveal, if you will, that um, if you haven't seen it, you're better off just not knowing. So what we're going to do is we're just going to do a little review on it, talk a little bit, and then I plan on timestamping everything. So every episode you see, it'll say, you know, alone in the dark, whatever time, you know, whatever minute we're on, it'll say non-spoiler review, and then it'll say this minute, this second, spoiler review and then you know two weeks the next segment after that so that's what we're gonna do so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the movie and we're, we're gonna save our final grade of one to ten for the end but i think we'll do something different just for the people that are listening without the spoilers and we'll, we'll either uh say that it's a movie that you'll either what do you want to say rent buy or not bother with something like that i thought would work so sounds good okay yeah that sounds excellent okay so we'll keep it simple but uh Yes, Alone in the Dark, um, and we're going to give it to our man on the street here with the specs. <laughs> our man on the street, I call him. Man on the street. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alone in the Dark, 1982 horror thriller by director Jack Shoulder. A quartet of murderous psychopaths break out of a mental hospital during a power blackout and lay siege to their doctor's house. Now, this one stars Jack Pounds, Donald Pleasance, Martin Landau, and Dwight Schultz. Those are your main four characters. All right. Well, thank you for that. That's better than I could have done, which isn't hard, by the way. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a hard enough time hosting. But uh, seriously, uh, this is the first time I saw this movie. And, you know, it, it's really a movie that's usually in my wheelhouse. So it's odd that I haven't seen it. And I've owned it for years. And I can't really give a definitive answer as to why I haven't watched it. 
I think because I was expecting it to be, it, it was kind of billed as a, a slasher, and then when I learned more about it, just with the actors being in it, I just didn't, couldn't imagine it being a slasher type movies like the 80 slashers, if you will. You know, so I was just, I was never in a rush to see it. Then I saw Tom Savini is is in the credits, and I, you'll, you'll hear more as the show goes on, the show is the future. I'm a big Tom Savini guy. I love all the work he does. I, you know, I grew up with his stuff. So I knew he was involved in this. So that's another reason I, I think I purchased it in the first place. But whatever happened, I didn't watch it. And, and I, I, I waited until now. These guys had the idea to watch it. So, so thanks for, uh, you know, come, for bringing it to my attention. Cause You're welcome. It's been <laughs> sitting there. It's been sitting there for far too long, unviewed. And I'm like, you know. Yeah, the, the I think we all have a bunch of those in our collection. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. Well, hopefully, we'll be able to do more of that more of that stuff on our show. Have reasons to bring these things off the shelf and into our players. You know, sometimes you need that little push. So that's what's good about shows like this. But uh, here's what struck me: a new line. I put the movie in, and all this new line stuff comes out. And me, I'm just thinking that new line studios you know, bought the rights to it or something. I just, I wasn't really thinking any, anything other than that. But as the movie begins, this is 1982, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. This is 1982. This is before, you know, the house that Freddie built. This is before Nightmare on Elm Street comes out. And of course, I know that wasn't their first movie. And I knew they were this really small, independent, you know, company. And, but, you know, it comes on, I see New Line, I don't think much of it, I just figure they bought the rights. Then, you know, the credits start rolling in, and it's, I see Bob Shea in there, I'm like, well, wait a minute, this is actually legitimately an early New Line movie. And I see Lynn Shea being billed, I'm like, look at this, this is, it, it's falling right, and then I see Jack Shoulder, and yeah. he's the director of Nightmare yep. 2. Nightmare yeah. 2. So I'm like, well, how do you like this? This, this is actually... Uh, this really is one of those early New Line movies that I, I've never seen, you know, that I've only heard about. So, so that was kind of cool. Jeez, uh, I, I, like I said, I'm glad I'm glad we got into it and I got to watch it. the The opening scene was pretty. Uh, I didn't know what to think because you know, I, with, uh, I, I, I did not. I did not like that opening. The opening, I was not fond of at all. Now let me ask the you guys. The first scene. <laughs> I I actually quite liked it. I loved the uh, the whole dream sequence. Well, you see, I need to ask you guys. Have seen it numerous times. Does that make any sense as to what happens later? See, when I f- first see a movie the first time, I don't know. I see a dream sequence, and I know it was a dream just because of the way it's playing out. I'm like, well, wait a second. Then when Loomis or Loomis, sorry, when Pleasance comes out, <laughs> it's for all intents and purposes is a Loomis. He's Loomis. <laughs> He's, He's reverse Loomis, Loomis in this. He's, He's a like doctor. a lighthearted or Loomis. <laughs> He's the opposite of Loomis because he doesn't give a shit. He's calm. He's letting this stuff go on. He's smoking weed even. He's so relaxed. Yeah, a lot of weed smoking in the movie. A yes. lot of references to to weed. <laughs> yes, that's one one of the the good things I liked about it. Yeah, that that was cool. But he was an op- he was an anti not an anti. He was like an opposite of a Loomis because he was so relaxed about it. He was saying, don't involve the cops. He was going there. He knows that these people are killers, and he's trying to reason with them. Isn't he saying things to him like? Come here, guys. Um, uh, um, we'll come over here. We'll explore a few things together. These guys are fucking killers, and he's so laid back about it. He's completely opposite of Loomis. If he's Loomis, he'd be running around. Oh my god! You know, you know how Loomis is. He's fucking fl- flipping out. I, I love how the mental institution is called the Haven, and you know, um, Doctor Bain 
um, Donald Pleasance, his character, mm-hmm. re- refers to it as a safe haven, and he refers to the patients as voyagers, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. So there is a bit of a cultish type thing? Yeah. Well, very much so. Well, it's slightly more intelligent than than I guess one would expect from a slasher movie, but this is really not a slasher movie in the... I guess in the way that I guess from the conventions that we expect from them, it, it's def- it branches out and it, it kind of maybe it's because of the the fact that Jack Pal- Palance is in it or uh, yeah I think it, the characters yeah. were really that good that it took away from the slasher element not took yeah. away but made it more of almost a character piece rather than a slasher. Yeah. Honestly, it, it seems more to me as it gets going that it basically becomes a home invasion movie. Yeah, it's like you're next almost. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It, it, you know, the final act is is really a home invasion movie. It's yeah. a home invasion, and I've learned something this past year because I've seen three different movies, and we'll probably get to it on a future show. But I've seen three different movies this year where one person was being chased for an hour, <laughs> and I decided, and I didn't decide. It's just what I, you know, I'm watching the movie. I have figured out that that really isn't my cup of tea. I don't like that. I get bored with it. Uh, but I don't mind it when it's a group of people being chased by a group of people, home invasion style. So like that, a year next, for example. And yeah. like this. I'm okay with that. But so. then it brings up a very valid point. The title of the movie is called Alone in the Dark. I don't think there's <laughs> one person in this movie that's alone. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to get. Too, I don't want to get right. too deep on this, but I feel like that might be a reference to um, Jack Pounce's character. You know, they don't go too much into the background of these guys, except in in talk with one with one another, real quick. But you know that he's a Vietnam War vet, and he's just. He's schizophrenic, you know. He's living in a in his own paranoid world. So in a way, he's alone in his own dark world. Well, then, yeah, and that's and that's very valid. But my problem is then, I and again, I could be wrong here, but I I feel like it lacks direction or or proper direction in the sense of you open, and again, I hope this isn't fun the spoiler thing. Uh, but we open on a dream sequence. I don't think this is a spoiler because we open on no. a dream sequence, no. and it turns out to be. Martin Lando's character that's having the the nightmare, but yeah, then we really kind of shift supporting character then we, rather then than we, the yeah. Main. Then we kind of shift gears and uh, the Jack Palance is like the sort of like the the head or the the leader of the troop of yeah. wackos. <laughs> it it kind of just it's a weird opening for where the movie ends up going. So to answer your question, Dave, that you 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 put out there a couple minutes ago, I don't really think the opening has much to do with the movie other than. Creepy setup, and that's it. <laughs> Strange, then. Strange. Yeah. Very odd opening for the type of where it goes with the, the rest of the movie, to be honest. See, I thought seeing it a second time, that's why I asked you guys, I think maybe it's the kind of you know movie where the next time I watch it, that dream sequence will will, will spell something out for him. Like, oh, okay, this is what's happening. I gotta it's be just honest. Saying, no, it's just for the sake of being fucked up, they did it. I disagree. Okay. It actually, it actually, it actually makes sense. And here's why. Ah. Because in the dream, at the end of the dream, Dr. Bain strings up Martin Landau, chains him up upside down, and cuts him in half. Yeah. <laughs> and if you notice, later on in the movie, when uh, Landau's character, Preacher, 
sets fire to his shirt outside, and uh, Bane has to calm him down again. He whispers something into his ear, and Dr. Potter, played by Dwight Schultz, comes up to him and says, what did you say to him? And he says, I will chain you up and cut you in half. Sometimes you just have to be harsh like that. So it makes me think that he's told him this over and over and caused these nightmares for him. True. Because yeah, I don't want to get into yeah. I don't want to get into spoilers, but there's a you know, there's a connection between Preacher and Dr. Bain and you know, without getting into spoilers right now, I think you guys kinda know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, and, and I can see that. Again, though, I do f- feel it's weird. I guess that, that was the connection. The, the, but it doesn't, other than that one narrative connection that you've made, it doesn't necessarily add anything to the movie, considering that the focal point seems to be the Jack Palance character as uh, the main bad guy. It, it's just a, a a disconnected opening, in my opinion. Okay, I, I get it. I think they're just, you know, basically trying to say, you know, this guy's having crazy religious dreams and, you know, he was a preacher, and there's fire in the kitchen, and you know he was an arsonist. That was his uh, poison, yeah. if you will. You know, it's yeah. disconnected, but it is cool because that was the exact line he said. He goes, "I, I told him I'd cut him in half." Yeah, so, and I found that like that was the strangest thing because mm-hmm. you know you knew Doctor Bain. I mean, he seems like this lovable guy. He's hugging everyone, right, right. Yeah. But he evidently was himself having a breakdown, and I mean, it's clear that. You know, that's really what the movie was going for, the connection between these psychopaths and really just the outside world and that we're not all that different. Well, I think his his line was something along the lines of sometimes you have to be a little crazy or or relate to them a little crazy yourself or, you know, yes, alluding to the fact. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, like that, like we're all kind of to steal a line from another movie. We're all a little we all go a little mad sometimes. <laughs> we we have a bit of crazy in us. I was just thinking that when you were describing that. That's what I was thinking. We all go a little mad sometimes. But you know, he did hammer that point home a few times about how everybody's crazy. He's like, doesn't he say something like, uh, what the hell did he say? Like Irving goes, Oh, they're they're just they're they're here because they're they wouldn't do any better out there because the world is crazy or something. I think he hammered home that point like on two separate occasions about Basically, his opinion was that everything was everything was crazy. The outside world was crazy. These guys were these guys were crazy, just a different kind. And he was like extremely. He came off as extremely sympathetic and like, um, yeah, I guess sympathetic is the word that like almost too much. You know, yeah. like they were his people at the end. I mean, like I said before, he was anti Lewis. He was on the other side. He was yeah. Like, he could, he never yeah. gave up on them throughout the whole movie. Yeah, and but. To be honest, it even took uh, Dr. Potter's character a long time to give up because at one point, he even towards the end, he wasn't ready to give up on them. Well, for for Chrissy, the, the child molester came to their house to hang out with his daughter and he just tells his wife, ah, one of the guys from, uh, one of the guys that escaped came yeah, over to the house earlier today. <laughs> The, the back and forth between the the husband and wife and the daughter was a little strange. You know, at yes. one point towards the end, uh, you know, the daughter says something like, "I want a Valium." Yeah, and he says, 
you just have to make the best of it. And then she says, you know, with her wise ass attitude, I actually liked her character. She's like, yeah. I'd rather have a Valium. Right. <laughs> I, I think it was like, yeah, ill, ill advised, but definitely welcome comic relief uh, yeah. in the movie, which then, yeah, pays off because of the what follows thereafter. But I mean, holy. But smoke. going back to the scene yeah. when the when Ronald uh, Fatty, as they call him, <laughs> shows up. That's a, that's what they called him. Um, when he shows up at the house, that was a very uncomfortable scene. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Very I uncomfortable. You, like you mm-hmm. really could sense how sick he was. I thought the the actor who played him did a terrific job. You you sensed that he almost was trying not to entice her to come with him, even though he, he I mean he was, but he almost felt like he knew he was sick and he knew it was wrong and he just couldn't control it. It's difficult because. In my opinion, there was some great acting, and then there was some hammed up Jack Nichols in The Shining acting. Sorry, David, <laughs> but uh, I love that movie, but he still hams it up. The reality is that I read some reviews just to see if I was maybe off and I was maybe being too harsh on it. And a lot of people said, no, this movie benefits immensely from its great acting. But some people have mentioned that there's hamminess too. And I think Jack Palance and Martin Landau definitely borderline on hammy, which. Br- actually shoots up my enjoyment level of it quite a bit. The fact that they've got, you know, you know, their well-established careers uh, before that for years, uh, I guess the reality is you expect, I guess maybe more people are forgiving of their acting, but I think they ham it up in this movie. I think Fatty was definitely creepy, and I think, like, uh, Donald Pleasance is Donald Pleasance. He's hammy in certain scenes, great in others. And Dwight, uh, Dwight Schultz is it's Dr. Uh, Dan Potter, I think I, I bought him. I thought that he was great. Yeah. Sorry. What'd you think, I, that's my what'd you think about the fourth uh, patient, the bleeder? I admittedly love the whole setup of that, like the that character and the whole hockey mask thing, which trivia mm-hmm. question. Yeah. Um, what came first, Friday the 13th or uh, Alone in the Dark? Friday the 13th, part first. three this or Alone first. in the Dark? This came first, but they were only four months apart, and so I don't think anybody bit off of anybody. It was just a strange coincidence. Funny enough, I had it the other way. I had Friday the 13th Part 3 came out before this, but exactly. They were in production at the same time, so there's no way we could, no one, one ripped one off from another because at that point we only had Sackhead Jason. Right, and it was so cool, though. I mean, I couldn't believe when I saw that. Like, you got to be shitting me, you know? It was, yeah, no, what, that was cool. Yeah, it was cool because it was real cool. It, it predates Part Three, obviously, and but like you know, it's I don't think anybody bit off anybody else. But wow, that that's that's really cool. And the guy didn't want to show his face, and oh, there'll be more talk about that later. But um, another thing of Friday the Thirteenth is it just me? Yes, I know I'm a fanboy and everything else. And I, I was just there, by the way, over the summer. I went to the Blairtown Diner where they filmed Part One. Was this diner in the beginning of this movie that they were at, was that the same diner from Friday the 13th? Christian, I ask you, because if anybody else, I right away, literally right away, I'm watching this movie with my wife, I'm like, holy shit, I think that's the Blairstown Diner. That's how similar it looked to me. You know what? Windows, everything. I didn't even, I didn't notice that because I was so, uh, I will have to, now I'm going to have to go back and check that out. And I'm sorry to say and almost embarrassed to say, yeah, no, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't think so, but now I'm gonna be. have to go check out. Check but out. I'm telling you, it really 
it was really reminiscent of it. I was like, wow, the way the windows were, everything about my, could this really be? And then as the movie's going on, I see that they reference Springwood, New Jersey. I'm like, now wait a minute. If they are in New Jersey, yeah. there's a good chance this is it. But I, 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 regrettably, I didn't follow up with it and whatever. Nothing else happened. So, so you guys don't think they, the acting was hammy at all? Like, I mean, I thought it was hammed up in certain. I guess it's hard to play crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Does, what does yeah. crazy look like? Crazy yeah. comes in all you know, all different looks. They definitely went full on crazy. But what did you guys think of the setup? That just instantly, Frank, just immediately says that their old doctor, Doctor Merton, was killed by their new doctor because he just couldn't accept the fact that Doctor Merton left the asylum to go take a new job in Philadelphia, I believe. Yeah, that's strange. It was a strange plot point that, uh, unless I missed something. I think it was just like a simplistic setup, you know, for, you know, a schizophrenic, you know, would just have these delusions. And he just immediately met the new doctor, was wondering where the old doctor was, and just immediately was just paranoid and just came up in his idea that Potter killed Merton and uh, they were going to break out and get Potter before they got them. Yeah. And he said, he said, we're next. True, yeah. and, he, and it's not it's not too difficult to sell it to other crazies, I suppose. No, I bought into it. I thought it was a quick setup. I love the pacing of the film. I thought it was really well paced. They set it up nicely, and then it gets into the the action of it, and then it has you know nice twists and pretty good kills. I counted ten kills in the movie. I kept track of each kill and uh, you know weapon of choice. You guys have any uh, favorite I- kill in the movie? Oh, well, I, I mean, disagree obviously. with you on the pace. I, I will admit, I thought it was a very weird pace. I thought the first 45 minutes was unnecessarily slow. Don't get me wrong. There's some good parts to it, but it could have gotten to where it needed to get to a lot quicker. Uh, I found it very odd how... Uh, then, of, of course, the power outage is a huge... It's like a pretty much a main component of the film. And how quick... I mean, I know it was a power outage. or um, in Blackout. Blackout, sorry, a blackout, and yeah. how quickly, <laughs> how quickly, they were able to escape from that supposed maximum security. Uh... <laughs> well, that's the thing. He makes reference that it's really not it's a electrical. maximum security. I mean, yeah. look, you see, the patients have free reign. I mean, the opening scene with with Lin Shay was awesome to see her so young. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't yeah. see the doctor. No one can. He's invisible. <laughs> I mean, that was great. And He's I know awesome. her father. You know, was. You know the writer and producer, and you know he was you know big time. Oh, that the, was cool though. Yeah. Best, yeah, that was awesome. As for best kill, the best scene in the movie for me is the mattress scene. It's a great scene, very unsettling. Yeah. I I would love a remake of that kill or scene. I think it was well done. I think they did it great here, and I mean it could be even done. Oh, it was it, it was just phenomenal. It's it's a definitely as you put it unsettling, and. Yeah, what, definitely a standout scene and one of the most memorable because I remember that from when I saw it way back when. I'm like, that's the movie with the knife and the mattress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great scene. That was cool. It was, I and I, I, I feel yeah, it would be cool to see it again. But uh, I was kind of distracted because it was so ridiculous that that would even happen. It, it was um, first of all. Why would that fucking fat guy 
First of all, no. How? How and why? How would that guy fit under that bed? No, it wasn't him under the bed. It, it was, was uh, Preacher. Oh, it was Preacher under the bed? Because Preacher chose the knife. Remember, Preacher chose the knife. He pulled the boyfriend, whose name was Billy, under the bed and actually slit his throat. You find that out later because when the body falls yeah. out, you see his throat was slit. And then Bunky... The girlfriend, then right. babysitter, she was runs by out the into the hallway, right by... and wherever Fatty was hiding, he came out and, you know, strangled her. I thought it was all in the same room, and Bunky was under the bed, and then he came out, and then because they cut away, and then they cut back, and the next scene, he's strangling her, and then, gee, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah okay. Preacher under the bed. That does help. Okay, uh, now that's the, that, that explains the how. How about the Why? Why would they wait to kill the chick? She took off all her clothes and laid in the bed and sat there and waited for her boyfriend to come. Why would they have waited to kill her? Well, that, that was for our pleasure. <laughs> that and the only thing I could think of is that she was first in the downstairs part of the house for a long time. And they probably heard her dialing up so they knew someone else was coming. So maybe they thought it would be convenient to just kill the two when they were together. But, yeah, that is, you know... They could have, you know, easily killed her, hit her, and just waited, hit her body and waited for the boyfriend to show up and killed him. But I guess in some way they kind of derive some sick pleasure from scaring the shit out of them. I suppose it's plausible. I'm just surprised that they would wait to kill anybody. Oh, Mrs. Voorhees. It's a Mrs. Voorhees (laughs) nod. Not to bring Friday the 13th back up. I'm sorry. But, I mean, it's the same thing, right? You're waiting under the bed. Boom. Done. All that happened. Like, a bunch of shit happens in between. And the killer's just waiting under there. It's a big setup for a kick-ass scene of just seeing that knife coming up through the bed and you kind of being hopeless there, stuck as, like, this knife could be popping up anywhere. I think, you know, yeah, if it was done now, that knife would definitely, like, stab up through your fingers or your Achilles tendon or whatever it is. Something more brutal would be done with it. But, yeah, oh. Right, it's right. freaky. It's such a great yeah. sequence. <laughs> it is cool. It is cool. I don't want to pick it apart. And I don't think that anybody can... I don't think a knife could go all the way up from the bottom of a bed either. But like I said, I'm not going to pick it apart. And it went I, pretty far up. I oh, mean, yeah. it, looked, right. it looked a lot... It looked, it looked like it got shorter <laughs> later on in the movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. It goes from a fucking machete to a, a steak knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? No, it, it was it was cool. I mean, I, I'm glad that you answered that question. I don't know why I didn't realize it was Preacher. I, I just didn't. Because the only person I recall being in the house was, was the molester. Because he comes in, he has the altercation with the girl. And then I don't remember Preacher being in the house at that point. You know what? I, I was remembering the kill before I watched it as as the child molester, as Ronald killing both of them. So, it, you know, upon rewatching, you know, I was able to just pay closer attention to to every little detail. Okay. Well, I now know, it's, I don't know if this ahead. is considered spoiler free. That's the only <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to be spoiler free. It's here, very difficult. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, we're talking about kills here, so it's it's weird. Maybe we should, you know. I don't know. It's an old movie. We can talk about that. I just, I, I, I think honestly, when you're talking about what 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 we all know, we're gonna allude to later. I think that's the only thing. Well, there is another kill that is sort of spoilerish that kind of need to like okay if you think it's spoilerish then we'll wait uh, yeah I, I'll, I'll hold off on it yeah we can all make our own judgments on it yeah. better to do it than not to and you know what after the show you know well this hopefully the listeners will get back to us on it and they'll, they'll weigh in on it too but I, I like 
you know, we should do something different. I don't, I don't really know anybody that does this on a regular basis every show. So, and uh, we'll see how it plays out, you know. Sounds good. But I'll tell you what, as far as kills, the only gore I remember was the was the Jason, you know, was uh, Bleeder yeah. with yeah. the Jason mask with that uh, that gardening claw. Went yeah. and had that random person with the, uh, and then you just see gore on, on the claw, you know? It was That's so random. <laughs> very yeah. random. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, where the fuck, how the fuck is Tom Savini in any way involved here? And then you know what I did? I looked at IMDb after, and he was like the fifth person listed, and I think he just kind of assisted. I don't know what exactly what it was. Uh, but I, it, it, I mean, obviously, Tom Savini is not the star of the movie like he was for The Burning or The Prowler, yeah, or something like that, or The Friday the Thirteenth, even. You know, Probably it's just for his name. I, I know, right? Name. And then I read, I did read somewhere else because I was wondering the same thing, to be totally honest. And I have a bunch of old slasher review books and this, that, and the other thing. And I was looking up, and they said he was brought on to do a zombie, a zombie nightmare sequence. I'm like, zombie nightmare sequence. But there's that one really There is that one thing. zombie nightmare sequence. Yeah, in the window, right? When she... <laughs> the she, sister, Yeah, Tony. she thinks that, yeah. So, yeah. so then... Maybe I, he did that, because that was actually pretty creepy. Yeah. I didn't even remember that scene until I saw that. I was like, whoa, yeah. why is there a zombie here? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's, what that's what he was, was brought that? in to do, yeah. That, oh, okay, now that makes sense, because he would do a zombie. He yeah. Was off a it looked great, too. That's true. It happened so quick that I didn't. It really did happen very quick. Pay attention, and I was kind of confused at at, at the scene because I was expect. Well, well, we'll wait till we get the spoilers. I'll just <laughs> say that I was expecting something to happen with that character because they were kind of alluding to it right from the start when they first introduce her before she's even there. They say something about how she had problems before, so I'm expecting. It looks like they were hinting at something. I completely thought she was gonna jump ship. I thought something was going to go on with her in, in, in that perspective. Without saying too much, I'll wait. But. I think this film makes a lot of social commentary about the world being a violent place and really not much separating us from those who are locked up in institutions. I mean, you know, she takes the sister takes the wife and the brother to see a band called the Sick Fucks, which I didn't even realize was a real band. They actually got the job at the last second. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll reference some other scenes, but certainly, um, you know, the fact that they're smoking pot and obviously not really that big of a deal anymore, but they're doing illegal things. Right. And they're being immoral. And sure. you know, lots of drug talk, lots of drug, lots talk. of drug. And where's yeah. where's that fine line? You know, Doctor Bain smoking pot. They're definitely not, you know, innocent. You know, no, they're not innocent. Pure. The mother was smoking pot. The little remember when the little girl said that to her? She's like, yeah. Have you been smoking pot, pot again? Yeah, another <laughs> yeah. strange line from that girl, right? Yeah. I liked her. I thought she was. Uh, she was funny. She was such a wise ass. Well, yeah, good for her. That's why yeah. she didn't get fucking molested. Because that yeah. guy comes in there and he tries to do, and she's like, no, she wasn't having it. You know, I don't think yeah. she thought that he was going to do that, but she's like, I'm not going to. No, she had no clue because she's like, don't call me sweetie. Right. Don't hold my hand. Right. She just thinks he's like, like babies are just trying to be, you know, friendly. <laughs> oh, you know what? Back to the alone in the, back to the title. Yeah. Alone in the dark. The line was said in this movie to that girl. Now, again, it's another thing that just kind of happened, just like the dream in the beginning, where it's it just kind of happened to happen, and it, it could have gone without it, but... The sister? T- Tony 
yes. says it to her in the yes. bedroom when she's telling her the story. She's like, when I was a little girl, this and that. And she was just, you know, explaining how she was a little girl, monsters in the closet, whatever. She goes, if I was alone in the dark, this and that. So that's one way, you know, they, they worked it in there, that clever little thing. Let's put the name of the movie and let's put it in dialogue. Yeah. But it really had no, it, it, honestly, if the little girl would have been the central character to the movie, then that title would have made sense. Uh, I also think that the fact that the power went off and everybody was in the dark, so to speak, then, mm-hmm. th- but they weren't alone. But <laughs> let me say something. <laughs> I, I, the power goes off everywhere. And, and I understand for the plot why. The guy even says it earlier. Oh, what's his name? The, uh, the guy, Ray, Ray Boy. Ray. Okay. Ray even says, the only thing separating me from them is electricity. So obviously, you know. You knew instantly. Right. The, the, that's the, they're setting up the narrative. This is what's happening. It's fine. Whatever. But <laughs> I, I got to say, these people go out, uh, the, the main Dr. Potter and his wife, and they come back. I'm going to say, I don't know, they go to the bar with Tony. Uh, what is it, two hours tops? Within two hours, the power goes off all over the place. The whole fucking city of New Jersey is randomly just looted. Looted, yeah. Every <laughs> store. Men, women, children. They're just, that, that's like, I told my wife, I go, could you imagine if it was like that? If you and I just decided to run to Walmart because of <laughs> smash windows Dave, and run out with televisions? Dave, I'm telling you, I think the lights switched off and they're like, ah, smashing windows and pulling shit out. I mean, like, there's fires going. I'm like, literally, that's the first thing I said when I watched the movie again. I'm like, honestly, I think the lights, like, they don't even know how long, like, they went crazy within minutes. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I get. I know that they're trying. To, I know they're trying to allude to the fact that it's hours, but even if it was hours, they had no clue when the power was going to go back on. They right. turned mad. So I guess this goes back to what you're saying, Brandon. I guess maybe that's another po- uh, plot point of trying to say we're not that much different from the crazies. Yeah, and I think that's why they made it probably so quick. You know, maybe they could have dragged it out a little longer, made it a couple of days or something, but. It was like a post-apocalyptic yeah. world in like four <laughs> yeah. seconds, and there's fires, cars turned over, everybody's looting. And, you know, so it, 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 was, it was insane. Oh, like we have fires, right? <laughs> but it, it, but you know, this stuff happens. You know, you see, it happens. We've seen it on news. I know it doesn't yes. happen. I know it's you know this was definitely played up, but I think it was just trying to connect that point that you know, are these guys really that much worse than? I know, right? Are we that far removed from? Yeah, are we? Are we all just you know one little slip up away from being institutionalized ourselves? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I, it was just hysterical. I mean, I'm like, it was oh, really a couple hours. And then, you know, when we've seen it, and this is '82, this is before we saw a lot of that shit. You know, we saw it at Rodney King riots. Yeah. We, now we see things, and there's usually a reason for it. These people, I mean, and they're just housewives. It isn't like. Some, <laughs> it's just some chick yeah. going, and that's like my wife going to the store, going to the fucking the local store. Oh, the power's out. Let's go and loot the stores. Yeah. It's like we just want to fucking. <laughs> we're just evil at, at, at heart. We're just gonna go out and just bash things to get. It's like a Black Friday sale. I don't know. Yeah, everybody. I was like, who's getting trained? Yeah, that's that? a, that's pretty funny. It actually did look like a Black Friday sale. <laughs> right, people in the videos funny. I've seen. Right, right. I, I I just got a kick out of that. That you know that that's what they did. You know. So how- <laughs> that scene there, where hockey mask puts on a mask because he doesn't like showing his face, and 
gives the guy that garden tool and there's a bit of gore then runs off and then the two housewives see him and start cr- screaming uh seeing the dead body start screaming he just runs off there so we're just a sp- uh, uh, supposed to assume that he runs off and then makes his way to yes, that yes yeah, yeah 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 i guess yeah, I don't know how to like, how to segue yeah, this. Sorry. <laughs> oh no! Wait a minute, though. No, no, he went to that demonstration. Yeah, is... that's how they met at the at the uh, the nuclear power yeah, plant. Well, this is, we, we're right. the, we have to do this in the spoiler part. That's then. true. What am I doing? It's okay. Yeah. That's not giving anything away. Really, I think it is. is. It? Yeah, is it? yeah, I think so. I think it is big. Somebody time. meeting somebody somewhere. We're not saying what it resulted <laughs> in. We're just saying two characters in this movie met at a certain spot. Big deal. Yeah. All right, well, we know not. somebody could have killed somebody right then and there. You know who knows? I mean, do we want to switch into the, uh, or do we want to wrap up a non-spoiler thing first? You know, I want to talk a little bit about the ending, but again, I feel like we could maybe discuss that in spoilers. Or would you rather talk about that now? You know, is there more know. we can bring up that isn't spoilers? That's that's the way I see it. We want to put as much out there as we can that people can listen to and you know get an idea of the film before we have to go into spoilers. If you guys think we're ready to go, we'll go. Well, I'm okay. I'm you know. okay. Another way you can think of this too. I mean, maybe you guys read this. I don't know. Uh, what was the name of the song that uh, the sick fucks performed? Holy shit! Oh, they said it over and over again too. They said wait. Ah. <sighs> Ah man, I I was into the song too. I can't remember. <laughs> Chop up your mother. Chop, Chop up, up your, your mother? mother? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm glad I didn't venture, I guess, yeah. because it would have been nothing close to that. No, no, not at all. <laughs> all I remember is the girls on the stage with the axes in their hand and yeah. stuff. Thinking that was cool and saying this is pretty eighties eighties uh, punk type shit. I, I was kind of digging that whole thing. Yeah, I was actually. too, but it just yeah. showed the violence obsessed culture, you know? So you and really one, think that Jack Shoulder was really trying to make a statement here, huh? You know, whether he was or not, I think you can take it as a, as a statement. You know, I, sure. you know, sometimes it's nice to be able to dig deep into these movies, but even just taking it at face value, you know, I was highly entertained. I mean, there's a line at the end by Frank, and he, he says, we all kill, we yeah. all die. You know, he's basically saying everyone is the same. Yeah, and you know that just pretty much kind of sums it up that we're all, in some way, capable of being just as evil as we are capable of being just as good. Let me bring up this. This part doesn't have any spoilers. Well, it's a spoiler, but I mean it's not a plot (laughs) plot spoiler. I mean we're talking about the movie, so obviously it's a component of the movie, and it leads into a very odd scene too. So all I'll say is mailman. <laughs> How he gets launched into space. I mean, I immediately laughed my head off when that van hit him. Sorry. It just and then you just see him fly up. And then and then Martin Lando approaches the house, dresses the mailman in a very odd scene. Because it really mm-hmm. doesn't go anywhere. I guess they're trying to find out if he was home and the mm-hmm. doctor wasn't home, but it was very odd because then we established that the the mom and the sister are home. Now, yes, they're preparing for their their little rally, but they don't really explain that unless I missed something or I, I glossed over it. So the, he interrupts that scene, and then the girl gets dropped off, and the child molester guys are fatties there, and then they're in jail. 
<laughs> it was a. I yeah. thought it was very. There, it was. It was a weird way to tell the story, or this in the way that he edited the sequence of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the the mailman getting hit was just wacky, uh, but it just showed some craziness. <laughs> I thought him showing up at the door in the mailman outfit was funny, and I guess maybe needed to be there, but it was it was weird. And then then it just was bizarre how they went with the story structure of the girl coming home to nobody being there, even though we just saw someone there. Right. And then them in jail. It was, it was like, it was missing the scene and maybe something got edited yeah. out or something. It was, something was off there. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think it was just edited a little weird. Cause I think the whole thing was the sister and the mother were supposed to be back from a demonstration before Lila got home, but they got arrested. So, you know, and the fact that he shows up, you know, to deliver the message, he's just waiting for, for Dan, really. That's really their main motive. It's not until they have everyone in the house at the end that things get, you know, really crazy. Yeah, I, I thought I missed something there, so I'm glad you guys <laughs> brought that up because I thought maybe I was taking notes or something and I didn't pause it or I miss, sometimes I drift when I'm watching. I try not to, but it, it does happen. Yeah, it and happens. I, did I miss something here? Why are they suddenly in jail? I understood why because then, then you know they explained it like directly after, but I'm like, why is this girl home alone? That's what I didn't get, but I have to go back to that scene. Yeah, they, were, they, they were just supposed to be home. Right. No, I understand. Why. I like how calm the father was. Like yes. when she called, like I'm in jail. Can you call, like Funky? My wife's in jail. My daughter's home alone. Can you just go check on her? You know, like that's what he's saying. always calm. He, he he's, so calm. He's smoking weed with Loomis in there. Yeah, that's he's true. Crazy. He's all he's... he was calm, and I think he was calm with his wife because he didn't. If it was my wife. And I knew that it was the child molester. There's yeah. no fucking way I would tell my wife, oh, oh, that's the child molester guy. I oh, that's why he was so yeah. nonchalant about it. Eh, yeah, there was one of the guys there from the saying something. Ah, he's not there. He was probably just trying to find me. Did I, mean, I happen to mention he's a child molester? Yeah. <laughs> that would be it. My wife would have killed me. Right. <laughs> yeah, that should have probably been a scene where he starts to lose his shit, not where he's like, I'm just glad he didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, like, what? <laughs> yeah. And man, he was he was a massive guy, fatty. Oh, I don't yeah. know that that yeah, Bunky's death scene. Yep. I don't know, you know, yep. he was huge. That was a that's always, that scene always scares me. Yeah, he picked her ass up. He was like a Jason Voorhees killer. Yeah, very yeah. much. Yeah, it was cool. It was fucking very cool. But I gotta say, I do really love that scene. When they're driving the truck with the mailman, that whole fucking sequence is hysterical <laughs> from beginning to end. When he sees him, he's like, "I gotta have that." And at first, I thought he meant the bag. I don't know why. <laughs> That's what I thought he wanted—the mailman's satchel. Just and turns out he just wanted the hat. But I was like, like "What hat. the fuck?" And the way he flew, just like Christian said, that whole thing is great. And it, it was so uncomfortable. The guy's like waving him on. It was great. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, they were gonna let him live, but then he called Frank an asshole. Yeah, he's like, "What are you, right. an asshole?" What are you, some kind of asshole or something? Yeah, and that just set him off. I mean, but yeah. it's like calling you know, a lot of people fly I think, a chicken. Yeah, know? that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> yeah. If they just said, <laughs> <laughs> they should have established that in the fucking in the nut house earlier. Yeah. Oh, don't call me an asshole or something. Because they had those other ridiculous scenes. Remember the one time he yells at him, Dr. Potter? For yeah. no reason. Yeah. What the fuck was that? And then he's like, happy, happy trails. Yes, happy trails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. But let me say, let me bring up one real positive thing. I really like Tony. I really, that is my type of chick 
all the way. Of course, crazy. Yeah, I, I do have an affinity for crazy chicks. But when she came into the picture, my ears perked up. The movie, it was dragging a little. Not, I don't want to say dragging. It was. Let me say this. It was an eighty. A movie from eighty-two. It was paced like a movie from seventy-two. That's the way it felt to me. It, it felt like a seventies movie. Uh, a real lot of dialogue that wasn't all entirely necessary. Uh, but when she came in the picture, I perked up. I mean, the first thing she says, you know, I think she's cute. First thing she says, oh, there's some Rastafarians around here, she says. I'm like, what the fuck? This chick's looking at school weed. As soon as she gets out of the fucking car to visit her brother and, and her sister-in-law. I'm like, what the fuck? Then she takes him. Go. She goes. She's slam dancing before it was moshing. She goes to that concert, and she's freaking running around dancing. I'm like, this fucking chick's great, man. So... Yeah. Was a great character. Yeah, I liked her, you know. Yeah. And then she comes in, and and then she she tries to save the day with the little girl. She's like, um, you know, you want Antony to uh, to tuck you in, you know. I'm like, fuck, I'd like Antony to fucking tuck me in. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about exploding heads. <laughs> We're gonna say that every podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, it's a double entendre name. <laughs> <laughs> and while I'm on comedy, yeah. During the freaking riot, I didn't bring it up earlier, but I just remember it now. Did you notice that one person, one guy, carried a mannequin out of the fucking store? <laughs> I, I did, did not, not see that. Oh, pin, my God, yes. I can't pin two? <laughs> right? Or, or, or Maniac, even. You know, maybe it was uh, Joe Spinell. It was fucking... Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Everyone's, you know, they're taking, you know, things of value. This guy runs out of the fucking store with a mannequin. Oh my God. I did I notice that one guy... Of like you can't miss him. He just slips on something right in the front of the scene, which I which I thought was great because it just adds to that chaos of the looting scene. But he just he's like running and he just slips on like a piece of debris on the ground <laughs> right in the front of the camera. It's great. What did he really? Oh, yeah, he falls. I mean, they just kept it in because it it, it looked uh. like. He was just one of the guys running around trying to grab something. It was like a natural thing to happen. But yeah, I'm gonna go back and rewatch that scene just to yeah. pick out all the funny parts. Wow! No, I have... a real. There was a real funny part uh, later on when they're doing like the head count at the asylum, oh, and yeah. uh, and Donald Pleasant's character is talking to the guy who's playing the imaginary violin. He's, <laughs> he's like, "You should. He should like. You should uh, use more resin. <laughs> Put more resin on that bow." And he's like, he's showing him to like lift his arm up higher and the positions and stuff. It happens really quick, but it was hilarious. It's like it's like that conversation he was having earlier. Who was talking to that that woman was telling him about something about intestines and shit. Oh yeah, and he was telling her to put her his her hands in front of her face, and then her intestines her intestines won't come out of her body. Yeah. Yeah. What? She has to say the Lord's prayer backwards three times. Right. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Holy shit! Now I have a question. Uh, here's maybe it's just a fucked up moment in the movie, or maybe you guys have a reason. When they have the ultimate escape and everybody gets out and they steal that guy's car, why the fuck was that dude just sitting there in a Cadillac, just sitting outside the fucking nut house in the evening? Like, like looking, and then you just all of a sudden sees four crazies coming at him and goes, "Whoa!" Yeah, <laughs> I gotta get out of here. I think why he was, was he a there? staff member. Oh, you think? I think he was like a doctor coming there because he saw them and he knew instantly that those were, yeah, yeah. you know, before they even came up and and they didn't kill him. Wasn't you he know, asleep? They, Am I right or wrong? Wasn't he asleep in the fucking car? It looked like he was asleep. I think they right. he like karate chopped him through the glass. 
but they, they made reference that two people had been killed. That yeah. Ray, obviously, which was a brutal kill, that broken yeah. spine. Oh, that was cool. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. That was a yeah. good first kill. And then they, they referenced a, another doctor being killed, but I don't think it was the guy outside. Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering, too, because they referenced the two kills. I'm like, well, was that the guy outside? But Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure about that, but I don't think it was the guy. Because all they really did was hit him through the glass and then throw him out of the car. It looked like he should have been fine, but it looked like the mailman should have been fine. You know, it looked like he landed nicely. He should have just <laughs> popped up and, you know, put his hands up in the air and got, you know, yeah. a 10.0. Yeah. Right. You look like Pee Wee Herman when he was in Pee Wee's Big Event. Exactly. <laughs> he does that thing. I meant to do that, you know? <laughs> oh, that was great. Well, do you guys think there's a – I think we can go into spoilers now? Absolutely. I think we've reached yeah. point. Yeah, we could definitely go into spoilers because yeah. there's definitely one kill or – Lack thereof, that is yeah. a big uh, point to talk about. Okay, we'll go into spoilers. All okay. right, everybody that's listening, if you don't want spoilers, stop now and come back when the uh, the timestamp says. I don't think it'll be too long, but check out if you don't want to hear spoilers. Okay, spoilers. Spoilers. What do you, what do you got? Dr. Bane, did they kill him or not? Right? What yeah. the fuck? I think he did, but it's an off-screen thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they killed him. I mean... But why not show the body? I don't know. I, I think uh, Loomis can never be seen dead. Yeah, maybe it's that's in, it. It's in his contract. Yeah. He's never killed on camera. <laughs> I don't know. I that's just thought it was very weird that such a pivotal right. character was just kind of thrown off like so quickly, just dismissed within a second. Yeah, and it was such a um, it was a dramatic scene. He's in it the was. car. They showed all that stuff. Does, didn't the, the handle break off in his car? And he's trying to tell the guy, hey, God wouldn't want you to do this because he was the preacher and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah was, but again, it goes. Yeah. that's why I think it goes back to the whole dream sequence at the beginning and the things that he would whisper in his ear. It probably wasn't the one and only time he had done that. He was probably, even though he was this nice, relaxed doctor that we were seeing, he was clearly having a breakdown. And he might not have been as nice as we thought. He might have been using fear tactics to keep them in line. He certainly was with Preacher. He was having nightmares. Right. It worked for me, but it was just too quick, you know. And yes, for being off integral, screen, it just yeah. Yeah, he was too big of a character for for to do that. Yeah, they should have paid a little more respect it, to that. It needed definitely a bigger payoff, no question. Yeah. Maybe the MPAA stepped in on that. I don't know. I don't know. And how about the one guy? Here's another question. I'm talking about deaths. How about that guy Barnett, the fucking detective or whatever? They show him get killed uh, yeah. with an arrow against a tree. Then later they mention that he's no longer there. And is it me or was there no resolution to that? No, they threw him through the window. With a bash. Oh, that's right. They gave him <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Voorhees. My bad. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Okay. That's all right. I mean, all yeah, right. they chucked him through the window. It must have been Ronald. Right, right, right. Ronald was just chucking people, picking people up and chucking them all over the place. <laughs> yeah, he was. I'd like to see a spinoff with just Ronald. Well, obviously we can't now since he took a butcher and a baseball bat in the back. <laughs> Shit, how did I forget that? Damn. I think, I think again, now that we can talk spoilers, that whole end sequence was just to show how crazy we can get in all circumstances and that we will resort to uh, unspeakable acts of violence uh, for a resolution, um, because that family was supposed to be a you know a fairly peaceful family, and they all end up killing people at the end. Which is weird, though. That bleeder plays into it so much 
And he was so great. Tom Smith showing up and just a really charismatic character. I mean, I think a lot of people might be able to figure it out because they see four mental patients escape yeah. and all of a sudden the third one, the fourth one's just missing for most of the movie. But, but they show right very... off from the looting, which is why I thought it was weird that he just sort of pops up there. But he was, he was very personable and it's a great it's a great little reveal and plot plot twist and surprise. And I think it's interesting that, you know, here's a guy who doesn't want his face to be seen, and yet they pick, yeah. like, a good-looking actor. I don't like that for the plot, though. Cause they I, really I don't know if I like works. it or not. I think I like it because they were saying, you know, that these guys are psychopaths. These guys are, you know, paranoid. These guys, you know. But why saying, would he show his face? He was all about hiding it in when he was in the institution. Then he got out and he put on the hockey mask, so that made sense to his character. If he's that bugged out and doesn't want anyone to see his face— why would he? Why would he suddenly? It's a drop. Yeah. Why would he down? go to a protest with all these people? Right. And then and, be yeah. And be again, so charismatic. That whole setup is again the the calls coming from inside the house. The whole setup there is a joke, in the sense of, or I mean, it's a plot choice. But I'm I'm just saying, uh, the setup uh, is that you don't see him for our benefit, so that the payoff is that it's him for the big. Plot reveal. That's that's all that went into that. Right. And, I love the payoff. Yeah. I love and, and, the and, I love the scene with him hugging Tony and the blood just starts dripping and yeah. it just they I mean it just goes on for what feels like it's too long. It wasn't. It was perfect. You it know. It was but, great, but why was she sitting there letting the blood drip on her? That's what I could. I thought she'd what? go back immediately. Was, she was crazy too. She, at that point, she was losing. It, so well, it's right. a fantastic reveal, but it doesn't understand. Like he was buddy or supposed buddies are all. Yeah, at least fellow inmates with all these other guys, but he's instrumental in killing Fatty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, so yep. he really plays it right to the end again for our benefit only. So you're like you, even if you thought you caught on to it, or maybe tried to piece something together, he kills Fatty by nailing the baseball bat. Frank does make a reference early on that um, Bleeder is not very reliable. Okay, well there. there so you go. I mean. You know, I'm. I mean, obviously, you know, still, you. It, yeah. It's a valid point, but you know, again, I just, I just take it at face value. These guys yeah. were crazy, but that kill, that kill was brutal. Yeah, and it Ooh, doesn't that, take away from. And, and the reveal is just fantastic. Like, so yeah. the movie does have a few surprises up its sleeve. Like, I again, I was talking about pace issues at the beginning, but definitely check it out for sure. Yeah, what'd you guys think about uh, the last scene? Frank showing up at the same club. That they went to earlier. I didn't understand. I understand. Well, I shouldn't say that. I can't understand. I could see why he would go there because it was close, I guess. I don't understand one fucking thing about the conversation he had at the end with that woman. I, I don't know what she was saying. I don't know what he was. Uh, he didn't really say shit. She he was. was saying, I saw ahead. you last Tuesday and mm-hmm. something about pink and something else. And face. Like, she kept saying, she kept calling him face. Well, she was clearly whacked out on drugs, but there's actually two theories about this. And really, I think the first theory is the more plausible one. Are you going with sunshine? N- I'm not going with the sunshine theory. That was the second one. Okay, but it, all right. <laughs> that would be a great one, but I'm just going with the straight fact that he was having a conversation with a girl whacked out on drugs and in this violent setting... They were just applauding him for beating the crap out of the doorman yeah, yeah. for asking for six bucks when they charged uh, Potter 18 earlier in the movie. Yeah. Prices went down. Um, but, you know, he was like, <laughs> right, it, it was like the smile at the end with the gun at, pointed at her and the smile. It was just like 
he was happy. He was comfortable because he was among his people, which I found very creepy. Hmm. He was among people he could relate to. But he was going to kill her. He put a gun to her fucking her I don't know head. if he was. I think he, I, I feel like he probably would have pulled it away because he felt threatened at first and then kind of felt comfortable after he smiled. Like, like okay, I'm around other people like me, other violent, obsessed people. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Did you want to talk <laughs> about the sunshine theory? Well, I mean, the sunshine theory was just that they mentioned this random sunshine person that we never saw. Maybe that was her because she was talking like a fucking lunatic. Maybe she was another person that escaped. Yeah, well, because they said six were unaccounted for. Right. Yeah, so that was that was interesting. That's kind of cool. You can kind of look at it both ways. And yeah. maybe she did see him last Tuesday in the institution. <laughs> maybe they were in the yard together. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Yeah, so, I mean... I, to me, I went with the other one. I I really feel like... I like that. I, I know I keep going back to the social commentary, but I feel like it was just chock full of it. Yeah, I think uh, I could buy that. I hear you. I do hear you. Um, there is something I didn't like. I don't like how it took um, Dr. Potter way, way, way into the, the, uh, you know, the, the events of the evening to realize what the hell was going on. He suddenly realizes why they're coming after him. What didn't they tell him way earlier in the film that there's an issue with um, Harry, the other doctor that's supposedly gone? And didn't they say, well, they they want to kill you because of it? And he was kind of nonchalant about it. Yeah, Ray told him that. Right. So it took until the almost after his family's been attacked for an hour to realize that this was the reason they were coming after him. Yeah, I just right. I, I can't overlook that. <laughs> right, I, I, and here's something else, which made no fucking sense, unless I missed. Didn't they say they had no phones? That's why they couldn't call the cops or anything, right? There was no phones. Yeah, no correct? phones. Okay. The phone line was cut, I think. Okay, so how yeah. come he was telling the fucking nutso outside to come in and he could call Harry and find out that fucking he could call him at this place here uh, using his phone? <laughs> oh, yeah. That really wouldn't have gone very well if he, once he got in the house, now would it? <laughs> <laughs> True. Had the lights come back on at that point? I was I was trying to figure out if the lights were on, and they may have been. I do, I don't think it was lit by candlelight, but I I don't know. I can't. No, say the f- light the lights came on right at the end when when remember he's in the when he's in the kitchen and and they, that's when they start flickering on. Is and that when he on. said, "Oh look, there's Doctor Merton on TV"? Yeah, so because maybe they, that wasn't. That's like when they see the t- he sees the TV thing and realizes he is still alive. And what? Yeah. So that happens all at the very part end. See, I, that's what I do. I pull poles. I see it. I'm like, wait a minute here. <laughs> you I, I, what? I you pull poles. <laughs> 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 well, I'm here to fill those holes. <laughs> <laughs> You can talk all the social commentary you want, and I will agree with it, but I'm also looking at the saying, well, wait a minute. No, yeah, you know, I mean, (laughs) you know, I see it both ways. I do. I just, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, when it comes to ratings and stuff, it all comes down to Mm -hmm. simply enjoyment factor for me. You know, on a technical level, I, you know, I think about those things, but I'm no expert. So for me, it's, it's more about the enjoyment level. You know, and yeah, it is, you know, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. where would you rate this movie? Me, I, I give it a solid 8.5 out of 10. Wow, yeah, I just I really enjoyed it again. I want to go back and watch it again and pay attention to more things. And 
I'll definitely revisit it again. Wow, maybe I'll pick up more on my second view. I still have the plot holes that I brought up. I still, I, I do respect the social commentary. I think it's, I, I'll say it now and I'll say it again many times on the show, I'm sure. Uh, I'm a big proponent of the second viewing to fully understand how you really feel about the film. Uh, but right now, I'll just, I'll just give it a 7 out of 10. I'm, uh, I'm, I, I think I'm hovering more about like a 6.5. Okay. Six point five out of ten. I, I, I again. I, I, I think that's a, it's still good. There's some scenes that I like, but unnecessarily bizarre opening. Bad. I think bad pacing in the first half. I know you disagree, Brandon, but uh, odd pacing uh, to say the least. And then the payoff is all in the last uh, thirty minutes. I'll agree Ooh. with that. Yeah, I'll agree with the last thirty minutes. Yep. Definitely. Oh, there's one more thing. Let me bring something up. Uh, did you guys think? They were going somewhere with Tony when she was walking around acting weird. Didn't you think that maybe she was going to suddenly side with the lunatics? Because that's what I was getting out of it. Because they, they kind of focused on her walking into the other room right before the zombie jumped out. That's what I was getting. I'm like, she's acting awfully strange all of a sudden. I thought they were, and it would have sucked if they did that. But that's you know, the direction and, and I actually, thought they were going. It never really crossed my mind. Oh, it really? never did. No, no. I always sensed that she was a good person, but she was just... They just kept Unstable. making they kept making mention that she had issues, yeah. and then the one part which was funny, the woman runs upstairs and she comes. Uh, the one person's blocking the thing so they can't shoot in with the arrows anymore, and the other woman runs upstairs, comes right back down with Valium, and she goes, "I got the Valium." I'm like, "That's what in the middle of all this fucking mayhem." That's what she was worried about, and then of course you know Tony took the Valium, she wanted it, and and whatnot. But, yeah, they kept mentioning how unstable she was. They mentioned it in the beginning. They said the last time they picked her up, uh, they wanted both of them there because they didn't know what to expect. And she seemed relatively normal, just a little bit of a wild child. But then she was kind of going in a direction towards the end, and they mentioned this. Yeah, Tony, it wasn't like it was last time. You're okay. So I'm thinking, what are they alluding to? And it seemed like I was they were going to have a payoff, and ultimately they didn't. The, the payoff, I think, would have sucked if she would have joined them because that would have just been, you know, too fucking over the top. But... I just thought I would ask you guys. Yeah, that was a weird line when he said it wasn't like it wasn't like last time. Like it was pretty bad this time. How bad could it have been last time? Because he was alluding to the fact that she's safe, she's okay at this point. Yeah, yeah. I so, don't know. I don't know, Christian. You didn't did that no, cross your mind at all? No, I, I it didn't until you brought it up now, and <laughs> I could see it. No, no, but I can see how you thought that, and it would have been interesting. I'm not going to say it would have made it more successful, though. I think I agree. I think it would have changed my opinion of the of the ending and when i said you know to be honest even when i said all the payoffs at the end that that goes without saying the payoff is typically at the end i'm just saying at first you know the payoff wasn't good enough i think uh there's there's much more there's so much more potential for this movie or for the setup for the idea i like the idea of the blackout i like the idea of the escape lunatics i love that matcher sequence uh i love like well home invasion however it may be Everything should be in a better movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. All in all, though, we're, worth a watch. I, I would definitely, you know, I, I can, we, we can give those ratings now. I, I would say that this movie is uh, a movie to rent. Give it a shot and see what you think about it. I'd agree. Definitely, uh, definitely, definitely worth checking out. I said it earlier, definitely worth a rent. Yep. And Brandon, well, yeah, I got, you I, say uh, bye? Yeah, I'm a bye on this one. Right on. 
All right. Well, well you guys did pick a lot of holes, and now I'm like, ah. But, but I, I still wouldn't change my grade because, like I said, I just enjoy the movie that much. Right. That's good, though. I mean, sometimes people talk, and you, you it, it sinks in. You're like, oh, wait a minute. that did, You're right. That doesn't make – and it, it, it ultimately affects it. And other times, you just love it so much that – it yeah. doesn't matter what somebody's going to say. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. like, every time you brought something up that was, like, a whole, I would try to, like, come up with a way to defend it. Yeah. That's good. you know, I mean, yeah. that's, you know. Yeah, right on. You know, but, and again, it comes back to the characters. You know, if if characters are well-written and you can sympathize with them and connect with them, then it's going to be a hit for me, you know. If these characters were unlikable, there was nobody that was really unlikable. Even the bad guys, you kind of, like... You I'll just, give you that. Uh, no, no, sure. it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely not one of those movies where you're just like, oh, who am I going to relate to here? I yeah. Mean, every, the, you, there, you definitely will find someone, you, the family's great. You said the daughter had some funny lines. Mm-hmm. The killers yeah. are, are, you know, personable enough in their craziness to, you know, you, you kind of do kind of just enjoy everybody uh, as a character for sure. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. I hear you. And uh, de- I-, I guess it's safe to say that it's definitely better than the uh, the other Alone in the Dark with, um, what's her name, Tara Reid, right? <laughs> That's we- the one that always comes up when you type in IMDb every time, the yeah. 2005 one. I'm like, come on, I want the 82 one. Is that, what's his name, the director? Is that um, Uwe Boll? Boll? Yeah. Is it him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. So we can all agree this is better than that at the very oh. least. Absolutely. I never saw that one, but I, you know, I think it's safe to say. Oh, I've never horrible. seen it either, and I'm still saying it's safe to say. Yeah, you know, I, I did see it, and I don't even think I saw all of it. I just remember uh, Christian Slater in it, and and Tara Reid, and it was you know some horrible, horrible CGI, and it I, from what I saw, it doesn't even hold like remotely a candle to the video game or to this movie. <laughs> and that one got a sequel. Yeah. Enough. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, all right, guys, that's our first official review. So now we are on to the final girls, 2015. Actually, this is Brandon's job, so go ahead, my friend. Okay, the final girls, 2015, directed by Todd Strauss Scholson. A young woman grieving the loss of her mother, a famous screen queen from the 1980s, finds herself pulled into the world of her mom's most famous movie, Reunited, the women must fight off the film's maniacal killer. Uh, this one stars Mylon Ackerman and Thaisa Farmiga. It's got a lot of characters, but I'll just stop there rather than naming <laughs> every single person on IMDb. But that's really the relationship, the mother-daughter. Yeah, and there is a lot of characters here. And as we go on to th- with the review, I hope I don't fuck them up. Because they're really because you had the people from the past and you had the people from the present. There's a lot of people in this movie. Yeah, you could almost look at it like, you know, how many kills were in this movie? Was it next to none or was it a lot? <laughs> right. Because it's all you know. It, it's a very clever movie. I gotta say, clever just right off the right off the start that I yeah. I just really loved all these characters. Mm-hmm. They were they were done. The characters were done just right. The, uh, yeah, the I, modern I, and, and and the ones from the past. Yeah, absolutely. I said this about another movie earlier too, so I don't want to sound like a broken record, but this movie 
had a lot of heart. Like the characters, like I don't, you don't see this in a horror movie often. I'm going to be honest. the The way that they dealt with uh, the relationships, pretty much the main relationship between mother and daughter in this movie, they got it right. I was shocked at how good. Uh, Tanisha, not shocked at how good she is because she's great in everything that I've seen her in. Like, if I made a movie, I'd want her in my movie. She's a mm-hmm. fantastic actress. She brought out emotion in like a second when she saw her mother, when she was reacquainted with her mother within the movie. And I'm not giving anything away if you've seen the trailer to this movie. They show that in the trailer. Yeah. But I can't believe that I almost was brought to tears. And I'm not afraid to admit that. In the way that they conveyed that emotion. She did it so well in such a quick time frame. I was just blown away by that. You know, it's funny you say that. I I actually choked back a little tear as well. I was just like, it was very touching, really well done, very emotional. And that goes back to, you know, obviously good characters, great actors. She's great. I I thought Myland Ackerman was terrific as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well-casted film. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful to look at. Yeah. Yes, yes, shot very well. No question oh. of that. Yeah, definitely. And very clever. Uh, the, just like Brandon said at the beginning, definitely. The funny thing is that uh, there's humor in this movie. Uh, and it's weird that they have humor in it. They have horror. In, and, and you guys said it was touching and heart. The funny thing is this. My wife watched this movie with me. She doesn't always watch horror movies with me, but this one she did because she's my age and I thought she would appreciate the whole final girl 80s horror, you know, throwback to it, aspect about it. Mm -hmm. So she watched it, and she really liked it. My wife, she actually ended up taking issue with it at the end of the movie because of it tugging at her heartstrings. And she was like, a horror movie is not supposed to make you cry. That's what she told me. And I said, Who "Hmm." who says? (laughs) Right, no, I know, right. That's what she told me, and me, you know, I love all horror, obviously, and you know, sometimes, yeah, they are emotional. But I mean, she, you know, she went into this movie thinking one thing, or I'm showing, and it's star, you know, she's picking up on the, the the 80s tropes and everything else, and it's great. But for her, it hurt her enjoyment of the movie. She was into it. She didn't like the fact that that's what they ended up, uh, you know, ultimately doing with the the sentimental final shots with with what went down at the end. And um, I definitely respect it, but it is odd. You really honestly don't see that, and you definitely wouldn't see it in a slasher. Of course not. No, which this is why I think this gives me, it's like a notch up. If I have to take exception and say, you know, what was it that maybe turned me off? uh, And we'll get into this as we keep going on there. I was a little hesitant when I found out it was PG-13 mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to R. And truth be told, does it ruin the movie? No. Does did, did it hinder my enjoyment? I'll say ever so slightly because there's so many great opportunities that they could have just amped up the kill, mm-hmm. gave us – we were just sort of ch- talking about it off uh, um, off air – that shot of the dead kind of blend of gore and comedy. And that's where it, it, it decided to take the safer Disney route as opposed to maybe appealing to all horror fans uh, specifically. And that might have not been the goal. They might have wanted a, a wider audience. However, um, I still love it. But yeah, I you know, that guy was about to get his head squashed, I think, in one scene. Could have been gorier. There definitely the kills could have been souped up a bit, and that's the one thing I think it was missing. 
I couldn't agree more. I, I echo that 100%. I did enjoy the movie. I I only wish they would have got the R rating and we would have got gore and we would have got TNA. And TNA, you know, if it's there, great. That's fine. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not making an issue with that. Damn it, I need to see nudity. No, it's yeah. not that. But <laughs> damn it, I do want to see gore in, in a movie with a slasher killer running around, especially when set in the 80s knowing all we know, the way they set it up. It's just unfortunate because, to me, it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense that your target audience should be people that are fans of these kind of movies. So, naturally, people that are fans of these kind of movies, that's what they're going to want to see. I mean, you know, teenagers now aren't going to understand that shit. They're not going to understand 80s. You know what I mean? Not the average that doesn't know anything about old Friday movies and old slasher from these. They're not going to get... The references and the tropes or any of that shit. They're not going to get that. People like us. This movie was made for people like us that are our age. I think they should have pushed the boundary. Not even pushed the boundary. Just slapped the R on it. Showed gore. And showed the TNA. And the TNA thing sticks out to me because it was blatantly obvious in the one scene when the girl was doing her striptease. And... She's in the, in, in the, the, the doorway there doing her thing, getting all crazy, which was a great scene. It was fun. That's scene. an amazing scene. It really was. She, yeah. <laughs> she was a good actress. She played that part good. She was so energetic and into yeah. that because she was all Adderalled up. So that worked <laughs> great. But then as soon as, you know, she lifts up her thing, they zoom in on a close-up of her face. And it's almost like they're saying, uh-uh. You know what I mean? They, I... they, they pulled back the fucking reins where, where I think that hurts the, the quality of the movie overall. That would have been the perfect time to short tits and mm-hmm. got it, got that out of the way. And I agree with you hundred percent there as well. Like it didn't need, it didn't need to be a lot and it doesn't, again, it, it's a minor quibble. How do we argue the movie needed some tits? But the reality <laughs> is that if they just did it there, that would have been one other check mark on you nailed it because that's what the movies were that you guys are parodying to an extent, or at least uh, uh, do an homage to. And the other thing would have been gore. Now, it, does the movie suffer from it? Only in my critique of the sunset, I would have liked those two aspects. And they had both chances to do it, and they decided to take the Disney route. So, is it going to affect my overall score when we talk about that at the end? Ever so slightly, but not to a huge degree, no. I wonder, and I totally agree with you. I mean, TNA and gore, you know, who doesn't want those in a horror movie? Um, but I feel like maybe it would have taken away from the emotional story, the the main story. There. Maybe. You know, I mean, yes, they definitely could have amped it up a little. I mean, they did have kills in there, so they could have thrown in some more effects. But um, I don't know. I don't. The lack of those things did not affect my rating at all. No, Just and- because it was such a charming movie yeah and no you're right could it have maybe i mean obviously the 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 mom ends up you know exposing her bra at the end obviously that would have affected the 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 main relationship and it would have taken away no question the striptease part was so amped up to be that that exactly like what dave was saying when she pulls her shirt up we we, like like supersonic zoom into her face that they could have easily just supersonic zoomed into her chest and i don't think it would have taken anything away however yeah to say maybe i'm being a little harsh to say that's gonna affect my rating 
uh, would probably be very chauvinistic of me. So uh, I, maybe it doesn't affect my overall rating, but I would have liked to see it. Because <laughs> it, it's, weird, it's weird that we covered two slashers tonight that really aren't slashers. I mean, this story, uh, Billy Murphy, who plays the uh, the killer in the movie Camp Bloodbath, which is the film they're sucked back into, is a minor character. He just, I mean, he's a main character in that he's the one trying to kill them, but, you know, you do get his backstory, but he's, you know, he's really kind of irrelevant. But... But they have to have him because he's the, they, yeah, he's okay. the antagonist I should, I should, of an 80s slasher. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. say irrelevant. You know, he represents, you know, the boogeyman, the mask killer. But, um, you know, this wasn't his movie. No, of course not. It was for the characters. It was for Thaisa and, and her mother. And yeah. Of course, I'm forgetting their names. But, uh, <laughs> well, like I said, I would. But uh, <laughs> Mylon Ackerman? No, 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 no. There are characters' names in the movie. What oh, uh, Amanda Cartwright and Max. Max, thank you. Okay. Yeah, Max so, is the daughter. It was nice to see her because I, I, I'm a fan of her. I like her for American Horror Story, yeah. etc. She does really good there. Uh, but but anyway, I really do think think that there are things about this movie that are absolutely brilliant. Uh, the the authenticity. Uh, of the 80s and the slash, even the beginning, the way it starts when they had that video verse trailer thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that two V's, it looks just like, it. right. It's it. just like you put in an old videotape from the 80s and they were showing a trailer. The The graphics of it were so fucking 80s. It was great. And the whole camp bloodbath. I mean, it was probably a little bit too, uh, too much of a parody of an actual, you know, trailer we would have seen back then, but we get the gist of it. And, and, and we respect it for it. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. It is it is what it is. So th- that's cool. And it really, in, in some ways, it's really brilliant. Ultimately, my rating will be affected a little bit, not because of the TNA. I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a straight man. I, I don't care. I mean, yeah, sure, it's nice to see a hot chick get naked. That chick was hot that did the striptease. There was a couple hot women in this movie. That's yeah, fine. Good-looking good women in this Definitely, <laughs> definitely. But that doesn't, that's never made my movie more enjoyable. Like, uh, Friday the 13th isn't going to be a 9 instead of a 10 because there was no TNA. Of course not. Yeah. But the gore aspect of it is something that, I really could have imp- uh, the movie could have been much more improved. I probably would have made a a whole other point higher on my grade if it would have been like a regular slasher with gore. But I also do feel that's a good point you bring up, Brandon, about the heart of the movie and how it may not have fit in with the story with the girls because there would be kind of there isn't there aren't too many movies like that. You know, the interesting is the director has never done anything horror. Oh if yeah. You look, if you look at his credits, I noticed it's a lot of uh, shorts and a lot of TV credits, and uh, nothing seems to pop out as as horror. So, I, I think comedy drama was almost more what he was going for. But you know, putting horror in there, you know, you appear, appeal to uh, to more people. I think. Right, but the problem is, like I said earlier, the, the his target audience should be people like us. Yeah. Other people aren't going to get that. Like, it's a PG-13 movie. So fucking what? I'm going to show this movie to a a modern-day 14- or 15-year-old, and they're going to know what the fuck they're talking about? Because they're not. And they're just going to get curious to watch the other movies. I mean, obviously, this movie, it's it's, it's Friday the 13th. It's the burning. 
completely those two movies. Fight of the Obvious. I mean, they, how, how the hell did they get away with the 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 cha-ha, whatever the fuck they did? It wasn't even <laughs> like a, a kick your mama, but whatever the hell you want to call it. I don't know how they got away with it, but they did. The music was definitely the burning. The credits at the end were the burning. There was a lot of references to those movies. But the thing is, a 15-year-old kid nowadays that rents this movie, their odds are, unless their parents got him into it, they're not going to know what they're referencing. They're not going to really understand. We get all the jokes. This is stuff that we grew up with or that, that we're very familiar with. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just think by making it our and putting the gore in it, it, it would have... It would have affected. It would have been a better movie uh, artistically, and it would have probably done, you know, made more money. I think. I don't know. It, it, it's really a quandary because I completely get what you say, Brandon, about a movie with that has this much heart with a relationship. You don't typically see it being gory. So yeah. it's like it's like gore. It's like horror was an afterthought, but yeah. but it really wasn't. I like to think that this guy. No, I don't know. This guy's probably like in his. Uh, you know, 30 plus late thirties or early forties. And he's well aware uh, of these type of movies. You would have to think unless he just has really, you know, really knowledgeable people working for him. Yeah. No, he's actually my age. He's 35. He's 35. So he has an idea of the 80 slashers and maybe he works with people that know, you know what I mean? A a lot about it that, that, that supplied him with some information. Cause not every 35 year old knows Friday the 13th and the burning and movies like that. They don't, because like you said, we were. I was one when you know, right? Those movies came out, or just right. zero. I'm a little older. A guy, a guy like <laughs> right. See, yeah, I was zero. A guy like me, <laughs> I was right in it. You know, get a guy that's like forty. He was right in that scene. Yeah, he knows. You know, but still, you know, I, I'm going a little off topic with it. But bottom line is, they did some really brilliant things. They really did the stuff when they had the posters outside the place. And they look just like 80s posters, you know, when they're outside the movie theater, the way they uh, set it up. the camp- well, They had some real posters in there. Didn't they have a, a Dracula poster and a Fright Night poster I saw? Yeah, I Fright, think so. Fright, it was there. Fright, it was there. Fright Night was yeah. definitely there, and I think there was a Dracula one, and then they had, you know, the Camp Bloodbath one in between, I think. They had one but, and two, and I was focusing on them. Like, oh, look at that. That looks like authentic 80s. And I thought the Camp Bloodbath poster, I was like, that's an awesome poster. Fuck yeah. I was like, I want that poster. I wonder if they make it. You almost wish they would make a real Camp Bloodbath now. It's I do. Like, I was like, thinking that the whole headless. time I was watching it for a second time. This That's my because second we want a nostalgic slasher film, and this is exactly why, and I'm going to go off topic here, but I don't care. This do is it. why the fact that we just passed November 13th, 2015, where Friday the 13th, the new one, was supposed to come out, then it got pushed into 2016, and now it's not even on the agenda for 2016. They, they're starting from scratch again. It's not that difficult. The problem is they're too worried about what to do with Jason, this, that, and the other thing. If they just went back to the roots and did something like this with the nostalgia factor of taking place in the 80s you'd have your core audience back uh and you would bring the new people that want to come along for the ride with it and um that's why you want camp bloodbath really you'll take a friday the 13th they're just not giving you that because they want to put jason here there everywhere how about mrs Voorhees and jason I, i mean there's so much that could be done and i think this proves that people would go for it 
That's yeah. my that's my rant. Sorry, I went totally no, off. Right. No, it, no. That makes sense. That's yeah. what it's all about. This is what we're talking about here. That's what I get out of it. And the great thing about it is this movie had heart, which is so great. And we don't get in a horror movie that I think if you combine the elements that we think we're missing because we're such diehard fans, it would have made it the ultimate film because then that would have been the ultimate love note to the genre, to us fans and everything. And this seems like it was there and it's still a great homage, but it's missing the some of the key elements that make it the ultimate love note, I guess, is where I'm going with it. Yeah. And like in my opinion, I compared this when, again when we were first talking about doing this show and we were getting us all, getting to know each other a little bit. I said this is, would be the scream that I'd make, and I hadn't even seen the movie yet. I just saw the trailer, and you guys were like, "Oh no, no, no! You gotta like see the movie, and, and, and then we'll talk about it." And I I really enjoyed this film, and I still think um, it had the elements that made it like sort of the perfect movie within the movie. But whenever you're tap dancing on on top of that sort of uh, genre or subgenre or convention of a movie within a movie. There's always going to be something that's not going to appeal to a, everybody. And I, there's definitely some of those elements there. Like, I don't know about you guys, but when the, the credits becoming sort of three-dimensional live characters and kind of bleeding and you'll like it for a second, then you realize, eh, I could probably have done without that. And the credits at the end, I don't know. I, I actually didn't like those elements. Like the wow. credits literally being within the movie. <laughs> You guys like that? Uh, yeah, I thought that was part of the, the, the fucking cleverness of it all. That's exactly. what I thought. I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I, yeah. I thought this film was full of clever things. And the, yeah. those were some of them. Them tripping over the uh, yeah. the flashback signs. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I know it's silly, but I just, I, I loved it. I thought it was so clever. The way the flashbacks are done with, mm-hmm. you know, the everyone turning to black and white. Yeah, the goop coming down to get yeah, the, the, yeah. the realm. Yeah. The flashbacks of slow motion were great. I just, oh, yeah. oh, the slow motion also, yeah. The slow motion scene hey, was great at the oh, end. It's fantastic. Oh, I just, the credits oh, just were, I was just like, ah. I mean, I get it. I like it. I mean, I could have just had the credits hanging there. But I think they come, they come out at you more. And when they come out at you more, then they kind of look all like, like almost like they've become flesh <laughs> to an extent. And I'm yeah. like, I mean, I know where they're going with it, but I'm like, ah, they took it one step, almost one step too far. But again, that's what you, the, the screen was nailed for the same thing and it didn't even take it this far. Like it was too hip for its own good. And not that I agree with that, but that was the argument from, you know, either some mainstream or some diehard horror fans. You know, you're not going to win everybody over and us fans are are uh, a hard bunch to please sometimes. But I gotta be honest, even though there wasn't a lot of gore in the film, I thought there were some, you know, horrific scenes. I mean, the car accident at the beginning is just shocking. That car accident was good. Mouth dropping uh, Mm -hmm. scene again. Like, I was like, whoa, well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I watched it with my father, and it was my second time watching it, and he was freaked out, and I actually got freaked out again, and this was my second time watching it. The one scene that really bothered me, and it, it was never resolved because of the way the film ultimately played out, but that fire in the theater. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that looked like, you know, everybody was going to die. <laughs> well, yes, they were the, trapped. We don't know what happened because they Well, finished. no, because it's obviously right. they, they left this open because, you know, for a, a possible sequel. Well, and that's that's where I'm going. Love that and hate it all at the same time because I could have, you know what? Normally they say the the old was it all a dream? Oh God, what a cop out! I could have bought it this time. I would have gone with it because I enjoyed the movie so much that when they woke up, 
she could have been like in the theater it could have been burning or that whole thing could have been like uh just her experience of falling asleep in the theater and it just being her way to come to grips with her mother's death she could have woken up and the theater wasn't in flames and it could have ended i'm not sure although i love this i although Mm -hmm. i like the sequel idea that almost seemed like a cop-out because it's not it doesn't resolve any like i mean i guess her relationship with her mom's resolved but they're not back in the real world so i kind of felt like i was left in limbo mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end although still cool like part of me is like it's, it's like i'm torn i'm like oh i like it but shit i still would have like preferred my idea of them waking up in the theater and i could have bought the it's all a dream because again the whole cathartic fact of it helping her get over her mom's death still yeah, you know what that that would have actually made it even more emotional yeah i, I like that not that I don't like this ending. I mean, yeah. I, I love this film. You know, I'm going to give it a pretty uh, pretty high recommendation, but I like that. Oh, as, a, <laughs> as am I. But, yeah, there's just a few things, and I'm only picking it apart because I think I loved it so much. Uh, and, again, there's not much to pick apart, in my yeah. opinion. I think I've nailed it all. The only other thing, if I really had to be uh, ass-pucky about it, it would be uh, the mask. I hated the mask. I, I, yeah, they might as well have gone more. They might as well have gone more like a hockey mask or more. Yeah, the mask more, was just, terrible. It was just a stu- And again, they, I know they probably weren't thinking. They just said it needed. He needed a mask, but I, I hated it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hated it too. Yeah, they should have done. It was more like a. It was a lot like a, a Native American or. A, What's that? Yeah, like, like a like a tribal mask. Yeah, like a yeah. tiki god thing. Yeah, t- or yeah, that's it. Yeah, right. A- Aztec yeah. like warrior or something like that. Yeah. Why not put a fucking hockey mask on them? They ripped off the music. They're not. Who's yeah. to say you can't put a hockey mask? They should have put the hockey mask on that was in Alone in the Dark. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The one from uh, Friday the Thirteenth: A New Beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the cover. The cover right? one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, man. Put that on. Yeah, the mask was shitty. I do. I, I gotta focus on the positives because there really were a lot. The, the background to the story of um, what's his name, Charlie? I'm probably way off. Billy. Billy, okay, whatever. Billy, it, it, it was so reminiscent of eighty slashers like like Slaughter High and like the uh, burning. <laughs> yeah, the burning, of course, like I've yeah. been saying, or where somebody was done wrong, they were at a camp and they fucking got abused, and you know it's <laughs> pull a prank and uh, right, pull a prank, it goes wrong yep. and it goes too far, and then something happens, and I really love that backstory, how he was in the hospital just like the burning, he was waiting for eight years, he came yeah. out and he killed eight people because for each year he was waiting or each month, whatever the fuck it was, yeah, it was for each month. But it was really cool. All that stuff that there's really a lot of good stuff going on here. You know, everything with the '80s and the the over the top cheat. Like I really liked what's his name Duncan in that role. Uh, of no, it, it's like me watching a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Like I can oh, yeah. recite them word for word. And in the beginning, when they're there and they're going around and they're they, they're they're about to get picked up, and he goes, "Okay, ninety two minutes later, it happened." And then they realize, "Well, we got to get in the fucking." We got to get in the van with these guys because if we don't, we're just going to be sit here for eternity. <laughs> yeah. So it's great. He knew what they were going to say. He's reciting the lines. It yeah. reminds me of how we feel about those movies. That's like, okay, yeah. I'm on board with him. He knows what's going on. It's great. He knows that there's going to be a final girl, that this girl doesn't get fucked, so she kills. That was really, really cool. And, and as a matter of fact, maybe even better than the way they, they talked about it in Scream. 
Yeah, he was the Randy character, but I think he yeah, did a better job because, because yeah. like again, and I, hey, I love that actor. He's Silicon Valley. I don't know if you guys watch that show. He's great in it, and he nailed this role just with that awkwardness and they're, they're, they're just with his sister. Oh, he, he was hilarious. And then you had him with that other character, the uh, the jock guy, uh, Adam Devine. I think it was yeah, the yeah, character Kurt. Kirk. Kurt. Yeah. Oh, Kurk. Yeah. He was great. He Hilarious. was fucking. Oh, yes. Yeah. What a he's got an arc on uh, Modern Family. That actor, and he's he's really good. He was very funny in it. Yeah. They all were. Duncan was great. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. it it just was a, you know, I I bought everything. You know, I I I even liked the backstory with Vicky and Max. You know, because usually when they have a character show up with a group of friends and that character seems to like not get along. It's like, why are these people hanging out together in the first place? Right. But you know, the backstory explains that they pretty much were best friends, but obviously the tragedy of what happened kind of tore them apart a little bit. Yeah, it was done. It was all done. Well, it really was all that stuff was right on. And as far as the comedy goes, it's a lot less comical than other horror slash comedies I've seen. It's, it's humorous, but it's it's done in a parody way. Like most of the humor is back to the '80s stuff when they're in the movie itself, and they're just poking fun at the cheesiness of the '80s with the way that you know the the actors deliver their lines. And the one kid, the one guy even says to me, he goes, "Oh, Duncan, I think he had to be Duncan." He's like, "Oh, he goes, the writing is so bad." Yeah, <laughs> you know, oh, and the way he delivers that line is fantastic. Right? Yeah, it's great. Does he say, what does he say to him? Why don't you go suck a turd or something? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Suck a turd. Yeah. And he's like, "You need some help with those uh, melons or something." He says, and he's "Oh like, man." Oh, that's funny. That Kirk yeah. guy was good. He was good in that role. Yeah. Um, the way they the, the way they portrayed the slutty girl was perfect. They just uh, granted, of course, it's all over the top, and they're they're doing it too much. But that that's the humor in it. They're taking yeah. the, the '80s characters and, and, and you know the way they acted back then, and they're just maximizing it for for humor, and it really works. So the humor, you know, it doesn't turn me off at all. It really doesn't. Nothing really turns me off except for the lack of the gore. I just uh, that's the only thing, but I, I think it's really well made. Uh, 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 the funny shit when they when they do the voiceover when they go back to 1957 and they're talking about Billy <laughs> yeah. and you hear the big the voice talking. You're like, yeah. what? And it's just it totally sets shit up just just like the the slashers we know and love. So it's it's very genuine. That's what I like about it. Oh, you know what? Did anyone else? Probably not. But did anyone else when they had the fire going on in the uh, in the theater? When they were playing that music, did anyone else notice that the music kind of sounded like uh, Inferno from? Uh, uh, no, I didn't notice oh. that. I, I think I think they did it intentionally because there was a fire going on. Well, you know? I was you guys brought up music, and now that you've just segued back into music, that's great. Um, you want to talk about the soundtrack. <laughs> well, no, I thought because you were talking about obviously the some nuances of well nuances. Total ripoff of the Friday Thirteenth, the ha like yeah, uh, reminiscent. <laughs> but there was something. There was the other musical cue, and I was trying to pinpoint it because I didn't have the movie with me. But I think it was like the it was just before dawn or something like that. But there some of the musical uh, riffs throughout there that there was the other theme that they were using that wasn't the Friday the Thirteenth version. I think was like a spinoff of Just Before Dawn, or. One of those ones, it's like that almost backwoodsy. I don't know if you guys caught it or if you if you guys even can uh, 
uh, think of the movie I'm, I, I'm thinking of, but it, I, I'm pretty sure it was just before dawn. That other I, Jeff, I think that's a Jeff Lieberman slasher film. Yeah. All I remember from just before dawn is that whistling thing. Yeah, see, I remember the list, the whistle, but there's also <laughs> the musical. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back. Well, I kept thinking of the burning so many times. It reminded me of that fucking the the music in the burning, the story in it. That, that that's what I kept picking up on. But maybe you're right. Maybe there is more than just. Before. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and and check that out. I'm bad with the with the music in the movies. I mean, I love the music in the movies, but it's just I can't remember like from one to the next. I tell you, uh, there was a lot from the burning. Even the, the the credits at the end of the movie, how how it was black with the red credits. It looked. It totally reminded me of the burning credits. Well, if they did half the movie in like Bad Day for Night, then it would have even been better. <laughs> <laughs> the burning. Right. The burning is like the sun's out in the shot, and they're pretending it's like mid the middle of night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this this is true. <laughs> the fucking burning. It was funny though how they uh, like the stuff when they really got into the the 80s or, or the, the modern stuff with the chick not understanding the uh, the cell phone and shit, the, I, the <laughs> iPhone, saying, who are you kidding? This is the cassette. You know what I mean? It was a phone with a cassette fucking holder on it, so it looked like it was a, an old school cassette, and, and she was fooled by that. And I thought it was cool how, how Duncan thinks, oh, this is probably like corn syrup that's coming out of them and shit. Now, that was kind of strange, that whole thing. You know how, how, how Billy just kind of ignored Duncan at first? And we, we were buying into his theory. Like, okay, maybe he's right. It's just a movie. They're not in his realm. He's not going to notice them, you know? But then, then he gets the thing thrown at him, the machete. So it was like, I don't know. That, that was just kind of weird, you know? I, I liked where they were going with the Duncan character. I wish he would have stayed in there longer to uh, anticipate all the moves that were going on. But I don't know. It just seemed it just seemed odd that, he, that what happened happened when it did to me. I thought he was going to be the guy that was going to be... Kind of there throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked him around a little longer, too. Like, did that surprise you guys when that happened? No. I, I It didn't really surprise me, but I was definitely happy when he popped back up in the uh, in the hospital scene at the end. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, you know what was funny, though? When, when the girl was talking about, I'm going to save myself for George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, good luck with that. She's like, what? What do you mean? There's just little shit like that. The humor really, really worked. It was so genuine, like an 80s slasher with all that stuff that it's really hard to say any bad things about it. It was, if you love those kind of movies, I don't see any reason why you're not going to be entertained by this one. It's funny, the fan base, though, because I've definitely read a lot of negative reviews hmm. and oh no I shouldn't say reviews because that would be giving way more credit <laughs> a lot of negative fan backlash on the internet because of the lack of gore it feels like fans nowadays can't just appreciate a film for what it is uh, but I'm finding now people seem to have a hate on for anything popular or for anything that tries to do something different yeah I, I agree I um think people probably expected this to be a gore film and it's it's just not it's you know i know it's an homage to our 80s favorites but with no gore because they they went pg-13 probably to go for a wider audience and uh you know to bring the kids in and make more money but uh it succeeded on every level for me i i i don't want the gore i don't want the tna i mean i want it but not in this film. I can respect that. 
just not in this film. I just thought the the, the characters again, like along the dark, there wasn't a you know, it wasn't a slasher. It wasn't overly gory. Had some some very little blood in it, but the characters, well written characters in both movies, just makes up for that. Yeah, we don't get and, that too often, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> And the soundtrack, I mean, I, I'm i a sucker for cheesy 80s oh, pop music. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, every song I'm like, oh, it even started with like Wang Chung playing. <laughs> and then they. Betty Davis Eyes. Uh, yes. Oh, you know what? Well I love that song. <laughs> and I loved it when they did it in the car to set that up. And, yeah. And then to come back to it later, a, a good emotional callback. Yeah. And very worked, emotional callback at the very end. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And obviously Tina's dance, you know, to Cherry Pie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was amazing. <laughs> <Poor Warren. laughs> it was fucking great. She was all Adderalled up and shit. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I read a little note that uh, she supposedly dosed up on like energy drinks to yeah. totally psych herself up for that scene. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like a bunch of Red Bulls or whatever, and then just, yeah, got herself. All I, I buy it. I mean, yeah. that was that was an intense dance scene she was doing. I was like, damn. And I think she right. choreographed it herself. Like, just went nuts. <laughs> it was awesome. She yeah. did a good job too. I like yeah. That girl. Yeah, she she did a good. Pretty much everyone did a good job in their roles. They 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 played their parts well. You really can't complain about the acting. Maybe it was overacting sometimes, but I mean that's that was, it was the supposed in, to be. Yeah, that was the intent of the film. Yeah. Right. But the dynamic between the girl, between Max and Amanda, it was played out perfectly. That That is what somebody would do. You know, they would say, okay, yeah. hey, listen, don't have sex. You couldn't help it. You know that someone's a character in a movie, but you want them to survive with the, even the smallest chance of coming back with you, as weird as that would have been, yeah, to, to, of an idea. It worked perfectly that she was trying to say this and that, and that they bonded together. It really, yeah. Was, yeah, it was, it was, it was done so well. I just, I think at the end, and we'll get to that in the spoilers. I think some of it loses me a little bit, but the the general idea of it, I, I really respect it. it. It was, it was executed well throughout the film. I think. Yeah, I think the whole idea of her wanting to bring, obviously, Nancy back, you know, because it's her mother. It's not her mother. It's the character she played, but. She just wasn't ready to move on, at, even at that point. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, the final emotional scene that her mother is able to save her. Yeah, and you kind of knew where it was going to go because, what well, I mean, we'll get to it in spoilers. Yeah. You should get there soon, but it's like, there's only, what, could, what else could they have done, honestly, that would have worked? So you kind of figured it was going to go, gonna go a certain way because the other thing, the other option just wouldn't have made sense, you know? Yeah, so well, there's one uh, one other thing. And again, you guys can argue this because the movie, like I said, well filmed and for the most part well directed. I did find that he went a little crazy a few times, and I understand when there's something frantic happening, you you amp it up a bit. But I felt like it went a little over the top for my likings. I definitely took me out of the movie because I, I remember commenting saying, "Oh, this is a little much." But again, not going to over. Uh, 
overall affect my enjoyment or rating of the movie, but definitely something that should be noted. The camera work in one scene when there's an attack, I believe when they're in the cabin, the camera's literally like flying up to one person, then wheeling back and then coming into a close-up of someone else's face and then zooming back up again. Just because you can do the camera movements doesn't mean you should do those camera movements. And I differently thought, even though it was supposed to be a frantic, crazy sequence, that it would it just was too much for that for the movie. It was almost like they easily could have just held back on those camera movements. But that might be just me being technical. Nah, I I know the scene you're talking about. I uh, mm-hmm. I agree with that. I guess they could have panned panned it back and just showed everything happening at once. Once again, not going to affect my overall rating, but definitely could have done without that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Oh, there was something else about the shots that I wanted. You reminded me of something when you said that with that scene, too. There's a the color palette kind of changes near the end as well. But again, because it's such it's in a fantasy world, it made sense to me. It's funny what I found I could accept, but yet the title, those credits becoming live bugged me. I don't know why my mindset's like that, but I definitely admit to saying, oh, I don't like those credits and I didn't like that camera work. But I don't mind that color palette, and I don't mind them doing the slow-mo or the, the flashback. <laughs> I was accepting of some things, but not accepting of other things. It's interesting. The slow-mo was fucking great when, when he's on fire, when he's chasing them. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah the, the side shot of him jumping out of the barn, such oh. a cool scene. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. And he, when he's chasing him and he's running yeah. through the woods and he's on fire, I'm like, that's something I wish that I could have seen in a fucking 80s slasher. Yeah. I don't recall somebody pursuing somebody on fire in that manner, like through the woods, you know? No, you're right. I don't think that's ever been done. It's been done, but not not pursuing through the woods that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know. That was cool. You know what else is funny? <laughs> as far as the shots go, the one part I liked when she starts to tell the story about Billy, and all of a sudden they all just kind of assume their positions to get ready for a campsite story. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, the kids from 2015 are just looking around like, what the fuck is going on here? You know, and it's it's such a it's such a commentary on fucking how those movies are, how it would be. So just little things like that, and, and they're just scattered throughout the movie. A lot of them in, in the characters, and when the one chick shows up the who was supposed to be the final girl, Paula, when she shows up and the way she acted, and, and specifically Kurt, who really, he wasn't in it as much as I would have liked to, but he, he kind of stole the show when he was on the camera. Uh, it, it, yes, it was overdone, but... Yeah, it, even the way he screams when they come back oh. from the flashback and uh, <laughs> yeah. Gertie's covered in blood and they're all looking at her and then they, then they just start screaming. Such a funny scene. <laughs> that was really good, yeah. There's a really lot to, there's a real lot to like about this. Yeah. I don't think anyone that's a, that's a fan of 80 slashers uh, I, I can't see why they wouldn't enjoy it. I could see having a bit of a complaint, like, like it, you know, like I have, and like, like, like Christian has a, a little bit. But I, I don't see how you can't appreciate it. If you don't, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you got to find something, you know, good in this. Even for those diehard slasher fans who are gonna say, "Man, I just wanted a straight up slasher with gore, you know, and just a little humor mixed in." This right. was, this was, you know, another character piece absolutely absolutely well i guess we can get into spoilers next yeah i don't think there's too much we can add to the the conversation without it uh i'm gonna say that this okay if you don't know a lot about this stuff then i'm gonna say rent it 
However, if you're a slasher fan from the, from the 80s, if you know what the hell we're talking about, if you're getting everything we're saying when we're talking about, you know, the, the movies we're talking about and, and the tropes and, and the characters from the 80s and you appreciate all that, this is the movie you can buy, and, and I don't think you would regret it. Uh, keep in mind it's PG-13, so you've heard what we said, but that's what I'll say. I'll say buy it unless you're, you know, a younger viewer or listener if you will, then, you know, maybe, maybe check it out and see what you think. So that's what I got. Yeah. I'd say this is one for the collection for sure. Yeah. I think the listeners as they, you know, get to know our tastes, will be able to take our advice more at face value based on whether they like the movies we like or dislike the movies that we like, but this is a definite buy. All right. So we're in agreement. Bye. Okay. Now we're into spoilers. Let me say one thing. Why, why, why did Billy take that chick as a hostage? That turned me off. He killed every fucking buddy else, didn't pull any punches. At the end of the movie in the climax, he decides to take Amanda as a fucking hostage. Why? I don't like that. I understand in the narrative. I understand in the end result why. But as far not in, I should say the other, I don't understand in the way this story of an 80s slasher is set up, why would that happen? That that kind of bothered me. That's there's a few things that bother me. That's the first thing that came to mind. It's bothering me now. See? Yeah. I never, <laughs> I, truth be told, I didn't think of it until you brought it up, Dave. Yeah. I don't know why. I got nothing. Okay. So you guys can't help me with it. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> I'd rather be that way. I'd rather be right. I just want to make sure I didn't miss something. And he no, goes, I, oh, I, wait I, a I think you're right. Okay. It just didn't make a lot of sense, did it? I mean, it's as, it's as lame as fucking Jason kidnapping the fucking girl in, in the remake. It just, I don't know. It just, I don't dig it. At least in, in the Friday remake, it looked like his mother. There was something there. Something. Okay, wait a minute. Here, Here's maybe why he didn't kill her right off. Because she was also a virgin. Hmm. So what was that... he going to do? What was he going to do? Fuck her? He tied her up and brought her to his... <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm only saying because they always say, you know, that the virgins are safe. Obviously, that's one of the hmm. main things. So but... he didn't know what else to do with her. He pursued maybe her and he could, maybe, her and he couldn't, maybe he couldn't kill her yet. <laughs> maybe. I don't you know, And it I wasn't to lure Max out? Bait, huh? Bait. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's possible. It is possible. I, I could see that. I never thought of it. Well, see, that, that's why we do the show. But it just... As, as I watched it unfold, I was like, well, it's not what we've seen, you know, with this killer throughout. This guy just kills and doesn't think. He's supposed to be like a mindless killer. It's, it, it's you know, it's what they always say about the virgin. They just so happen to be the virgin that kills him, but he doesn't know that. He doesn't know he's going to get killed. You know what I mean? He's the killer. He's just supposed to, to go through everybody. It just so happens that the virgin has the best morals and is smarter, so she ends up usually being the final girl. Yeah, maybe the joke is that he can't kill her because she's a virgin. Maybe that's like the rule until until it's established who's going to be the final girl. Maybe they could have said something that would have been a lot better. If they're going to do that, I think it would have they would have they would have been better suited to have some type of explanation about that. Then it could have worked. Yeah. Then, then there's no problem. Then you know Max is going to come out and, and and rescue her, of course, because it's her mother and she wants to. But to put the mother in that situation. I think, you know, they would have been better suited to have any explanation besides nothing. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think because Billy really only killed when somebody was kind of being promiscuous, but... Right. I don't know. It's uh, Maybe I'm nitpicking. It just seemed 
I noticed it right away. I'm like, this is not really what his, this character does. He kills. He's a mindless killing machine. He's not a kidnapper. Yeah, they definitely could have worked around that. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. And here's something else I noticed. How come at the end of the movie, when after she goes and gets her mother and brings her back, remember when they're in the church and they're talking? Because there's two places they could go. There was that church and there was his like uh, shack, I guess you can call it. Yeah. You know, she goes into his shack and gets the girl. And next thing you know, they're talking in the church. Now, prior to that happening, the um, what's the guy's name? Um, uh, Chris. Okay. Chris is already in that same church, and he's injured. Remember, he gets stabbed in the front. Yeah, he's stabbed. He's bleeding out. No. Right. And she carries him to that same church. Okay? Then she leaves and goes, gets her mother, comes back, and she's talking to her mother, and the guy is not there. Then all of a sudden, something happens, and, and the girl walks out to... To sacrifice herself ultimately, and then the guy is suddenly there again. Did you pick up on that? Wait, are you saying you saw in the shot that he wasn't in the position where he was supposed to be? He wasn't in that room at all. I was like, where the fuck is the boyfriend? Yeah. That had to just be uh, an editing mistake because I, I mean, I could have sworn he was there. Yeah, he should have been there, but he wasn't. I was like watching the movie, saying, where the fuck is he? He was he just was right there. in the corner. Right, he was right there. So when the, when she's having this heart to heart to heart conversation with her mother. You know, they're right there. He should have been sitting right next to the girl. I think he was a little further over in the corner. I don't know, but when they cut right back, he was in that same spot where he was in the front. Hmm. So it was kind of weird. Did you did you notice that, Christian, or no? I don't remember him not being there in between. I'd have to go back and check that out. Okay. Yeah, it was so fucked up. I'm watching the movie, and I'm seeing this happen, and I'm like... Where the hell was the guy? He was just in the church. Aren't they in the church? There's the stained windows. Why the hell was he not there all of a sudden? And why is the why are the two girls there and not him? And then, conveniently, after she leaves and the girls are and the guy's just back again. Okay. I'm interested to go back now because for such a well shot, creative film to make such a silly mistake like that. Right, and it wasn't just one snippet, one quick shot. There's a conversation going on, a heart to heart for fucking like two, three minutes. Well, I get the heart to heart is like sort of like a close up of uh, of them two. They're the main two in the frame, but so I just assume he's off frame. But if you're saying when they when she brings her in, and he's not there, that just sounds like a big faux pas. Yeah, I I don't know. I just they did obviously they were focusing on the two girls because it was a heart to heart. But the girl was right in the guy was right in that same spot where the girl was talking, where Max was in that scene. Then all of a sudden, when the girl goes back, Max is there and the guy's next to her. It was just, I don't know. It just seemed, I was like, what the fuck happened to the guy? I was like, did he leave? Did he get out? And the next thing, he's there again. So, I don't know. I could be fucked up. I could be. But I it's, I don't know. It, it, when I was watching it, I was like, I had to take a note because of it. So, obviously, it was something that I, you know, I saw. So, now, but what I was saying before, one more thing. Obviously, it would have been super fucking lame and cheesy if she did bring her mother back as a, as a fucking teenager to fucking 2015. It would not have worked. So every we had to know she wasn't going to come back, right? Yeah, no, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> not the way they set up this movie as being a very emotional film. It couldn't. Mm-hmm. She had to come to terms with her mother's death. So, yeah, so we all knew that. It just would not have worked. Think, no, I think the writer of this, I, I, I don't believe it was the director. I believe it was the writer, unless they're one of the same, and I'm sorry that I don't know this information. But no, they're not. They're, they're not one of the same, but the writer wrote this as a way to come to grips with his father's death. 
Interesting. So, I did not know that. Yeah, I read hmm. that, and not that that answers the question, but ultimately, well, I think it does answer the I think, like you said, Brandon, that it wouldn't have worked because ultimately she's got to get on with her life and deal with her mother's death, which is why I'm the ending, although I love the fact that, uh, you know, um, Duncan comes back and they're in that hospital and it's cool and whatever, and it's just setting up for, oh, the sequel. I just think, cool, but I think I would have loved him, her waking up in the movie theater, having fallen asleep to her mom's real, and then it, everybody's still alive one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's interesting because it, it probably should have been pretty obvious, but, you know, I didn't even pay attention to it, but we knew it was a double feature from the start. And right. <laughs> if they went through one movie that, you know, yeah. we should have known when they woke up in the hospital that they're just like Halloween, too. They're in the setting yeah. for the start of Camp Bloodbath, too. Yeah, no, true it enough. was very creative. True it was, but I knew it was coming because of that. Because I knew it was a double feature and because I saw both posters. As soon as they're there and they're talking and you hear the noise when they do the freaking, you know, yeah. the Jason noise. They don't even have to say, oh, the sequel. I already figured it out. I assume you guys did too. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. At that point, Once you hear the course, music. Yeah. But I was hoping, you know, sometimes you try to outsmart the movie. This movie, I think I let myself go and I just enjoyed it. So I just was like, I wonder how this is going to end. And they're, like, they're in the hospital. I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, oh, they're going the sequel route. Okay. All right. I could buy that. But I mean, it just was like, ah, it wasn't um, my ideal. But yeah, you're right. It was inevitable because of the double feature factor. Well, this story you're telling me about the uh, one of the writers, I think there were two writers or, yeah, two writers on it. Um, the one coming to grips with his father's death makes me appreciate this film more because he wasn't focused on the gore, but I felt like maybe he didn't want to go over the top and make it too sappy in the end. Yeah. Yeah, no. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this, speaking from experience. You know how I would want to pay homage to a loved one, and it would definitely be with humor. Humor's always a great way of dealing with death. I mean, you have to. You either yeah. laugh or you cry. Yeah. And true. nobody wants to cry all day long. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have one more problem, and maybe you guys can help me with this one. Um, Duncan comes back, and it's cool that they're all in the hospital. It's funny because my wife kept saying she goes, I know she's going to wake up in the hospital. And she did, and that's fine. I, I'll tell you what, Christian, your idea is fucking great. Pick it up in the theater would have been even better. It really is a great idea. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. I that really was... want to see that move, that version too. <laughs> totally, totally. But, you know, she even said it a couple times. I know they're going to, and then what happened? She opened her eyes. She knew they're going to be in the hospital. She goes, they're going to be alive too. I'm like, yeah. Didn't, that didn't affect anything. It's just that you know she she was predicting it. She's not a fucking an avid horror viewer like we are, you know. But anyway, uh, that happened. Now he showed that he had an injury from the machete blade. Okay, How, why did that stick? But him getting hit by a car and fucking killed not. Yeah, yeah, that actually bothered me too. Okay, <laughs> all the characters, the way they died. I mean, Gertie and Vicky were blown up. Yeah, then the thing fall on Everybody came him? back fine. Chris, you know, didn't have a stab wound. It was weird that he was showing that off. It was almost like, I guess, they probably can't die in the movie, and they will make it out, but they just have to do it one more time. 
Yeah, and, and I didn't even think about it, but you're right. You guys are absolutely right. I just took it at its face value, laughed at the inept doctor stitching it up and, and whatever. <laughs> right. Like I thought that was hilarious, so I just let it go. But yes, they, you know, they totally ignore the fact they got mowed over by the car uh, and everybody else, yeah, died. And again, when the two girls died, and I'm, I'm um, that was very emotional too. Like yeah, holding hands. Holding I, I, hands. Yeah, God, they just mm-hmm. hit. They just hit the right notes, where they added the human touch that a lot of times get left out because a lot of these filmmakers think all we want to see is blood and guts, and they do, they fail to realize that if that's mixed with a bit of human emotion, maybe then there's a little bit more to it. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm there for a good slash fest as well, but when you can mix that with a human element that is the magical ingredient because I don't just want to see people die. You want to have some connection to them. That's why, you know, when someone dies in a slasher film that you hate, you're cheering on the killer. It gets very boring very fast. But when you Mm -hmm. care about that character, oh boy, does it have a a much higher emotional impact. Yes, sir. And and enjoyment level. for Well, enjoyment level might be the wrong way. You don't enjoy it, but you appreciate it a hell of a lot more. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Spot on. Yeah, I mean, there, there were, I'll say, you know, I, there was a few inconsistencies in the plot. But, again, it's clever. Uh, the humor is right. There, there's a lot of good things about it. So, you know, it was a and, good movie. And all I can say is I guess I just, even though I like to look deep and dissect them, when it comes down to it, it's just, it's always the enjoyment factor. And um, sometimes I can enjoy a film that has plot holes, has inconsistencies, and give it a much higher recommendation than others would who maybe are more familiar with the technical aspects of filmmaking, whereas I'm not. But you know what? I No, I agree, because, I mean, I can't say that, you know, I might argue and bring all this stuff up, but then at the same token, Friday the 13th, one and two are two of my favorite slasher, slasher films and films, and those you can, as Dave well knows, argue are riddled with plot holes, inconsistencies, and whatnot, <laughs> yet we love them. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it goes it goes back to what you said, Christian. you got to take it at face value. I think too many people, you know, talk about how they can't enjoy a certain horror movie because it's just so unbelievable. Yeah. 99% of these horror movies are unbelievable. Well, yeah, because, I mean... It, it, They're boogeymen, it, monsters, yeah, it's exactly. all... Like, Come on. Fantastic. Like you're going to pick yeah. the one little scene that, that is just a little bit more over the top, but the whole things are just suspend disbelief and enjoy it. Absolutely, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm a little bit critical on some things that don't make any fucking sense when the rest of the movie does. That's, where, that's when things bother me sometimes. Like, they did everything just right here, but this part doesn't make sense. That, that kind of bothers me. If you want to make the whole movie not make sense, fine. Then that's fine. But yeah. sometimes I'm a little critical on things like that. But you know, no, that was a that was a good point to bring up. It is something that I actually did notice too, that bothered me a little and didn't make a hundred percent sense. But I kind of was just like, it didn't take away anything. But I noticed it. Right on, and that's cool. Now, is there anything else anybody wants to add before we give our grades? <laughs> our grades? Uh... No, I, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good on <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we covered it pretty good. Ratings, Definitely I uh, check it out, everyone. All right. Well, All right. I will give it a, I will give it an eight out of ten. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a nine, a nine out of ten. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you, Christian. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, that, that Brendan was saying about the gore and stuff. If it would have been gory and things like that, uh, it could have it could have been a nine. But you know what? I'm I was going off my first rating because this was my second viewing. I'm not even sure what my first rating was. I think it was a nine. So you stayed with it. Your second. Yeah, it, it was either a nine. It might even have been a nine point five. But wow. Need, needless to say, like I I found very little to nitpick with this movie, and overall, the things that I could nitpick, like the things you brought up, are things that I don't, I didn't care about. They're just yeah. secondary. I just enjoyed everything that I got to see. Yeah, it was it was definitely, uh, it's kind of a cliche thing to say now, and I said it before, but the love letter to horror, or slasher fans specifically, uh, just missing a couple of those key agreement, ingredients to make it the ultimate package. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah it was great. So I, I guess I have a feeling that um, this is going to end up on both of your guys' top ten with, with such a high rating for the year. Yeah. I have a feeling about that. Unless yeah, you know. it's interesting. I'm looking at my at my ratings the other day, and I'm wondering, am I just gonna pick the the highest rated films? I mean, because I've rated some films that are really high, really high for the fact that they're just really well made films, or am I just gonna go strictly with enjoyment factor? I have trouble separating the two. Y- you know what? <laughs> it, it, it's it weird because I it, I. It's not that I'm not separating the two, but like certain films that I've rated really high, it's like, do they have the rewatchability that some of the others do? Like, yeah. there's movies that might be an 8.5 that I watched, I'll watch over and over again, versus a movie that I gave a 9 to that was terrific. But, you know, maybe I'm not so quick to put it back on. Right. See, I, I don't for know. me, it just sinks in easy. Like, the more I like a movie, the more I want to watch it. There's very few times I can, except for one. Except for one, and it's kind of a controversial. Okay, The Passion of the Christ. I saw The Passion of the Christ at the theater, and I thought it was an amazing film, but I said I didn't want to see it again. So aside from that movie, every movie that I've ever gave a high-rating film and said this, that, the other thing, I I, I want to watch multiple multiple times. I'm like that with one specific director with his films. I think his films are, are brilliant, but they're so just disturbing that you don't want to watch them again. Oh, who's that? That's a uh, Haneki. Oh, okay. Mikael Haneki, who did uh, Funny Games. Oh yeah, the yeah, seventh, yeah. The Seventh Continent, um, which if you haven't seen, that's a one to definitely check out. The Seventh Continent, terrific film. I have not seen it, but I, I definitely will. Um, I believe he did, he did a film called Benny's Video, which is incredibly disturbing. I mean, just these are movies where you don't get to escape for two hours. You're brought into this world and you're actually punished for being a voyeur in this world for two hours like that's what the director's doing he's basically punishing you wow they're they're pretty they're pretty heavy films oh i'm intrigued i can watch anything i the only thing i the only thing that can disturb me is i don't want to see deformed people and shit like that that's my phobia i don't like to see that like when when they use like people like that have real deformities in real life. That or, or, or uh, both. That or fake. The only one I can tolerate. But no, don't get me wrong. I can watch Goonies and Sloth. That's different. That <laughs> that's that's lighthearted. I'm okay with that. But nothing in a serious tone. Mask, <laughs> mask, Rocky Dennis. Love it. That's fine. It was mostly lighthearted. It wasn't comedy, but it was. You know, if you know what I'm talking about. But anything yeah. else serious about anything. 
fucking with deformities. Like, I didn't... American Horror Story is my favorite show. I didn't know if I was going to be able to watch Freak Show because I didn't know what was going to be on it. I don't like looking at stuff like that. I don't, I don't like looking at um, conjoined twins. Things like that are the only thing... The only things that would legitimately disturb me. You could show me anything on camera and it won't disturb me. But something like that. Not not that I want to see somebody eat shit like in that fucking that solo movie or you know, or I wanna see a guy fuck his kid like in the Serbian film. film. <laughs> However that movie angered me. It's well it's a well made film though. I watched that movie. It was movie. well made, but it, yeah. I remember it was like that was a, one of the only movies that I actually had to pause, say, What the fuck am I doing? I hate this fucking movie. I hate myself for watching it, yet I'm gonna finish this movie. And then I think I had to finish it because I needed to know how this and I was I punished myself because you want to talk about being punished. That movie punishes its you. Yeah, that that doesn't pull any punches. Yeah, but it didn't bother me. I, knew I feel was dirty for owning it. Yeah, really? It's, I, have uh, the, I have the nice three wow. disc edition. Although I got to be honest, I listen to not only that music, but sometimes the Cannibal Holocaust music when I'm working out. <sighs> Wow, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Working out. Wow, no shit. Cannibal Holocaust is my movie. I watched it this year for the first time along with that other movie for a certain show about disturbing movies. And I finally watched Cannibal Holocaust. That's the one I don't want to watch again. That's the, I do not. That's something yeah, else that disturbs me too. It's a terrific film too. What about Make Me Make It's filmed well. Oh, man, it was a joke. It was a joke. I watched Make Them Die Slowly when I was a kid in the 80s, and all I got from it was they chopped a guy's dick off, and and it was cool, but it looked like rubber, and it never offended me at all. But I was a kid. When I was a kid, I could watch Faces of Death. I could watch any of that shit. Now as an adult, I don't want to see real death. I don't want to see anybody getting killed, animals or people. So like Cannibal Holocaust, the animal shit bothered me, but what really bothered me was that the characters were reprehensible as well. Oh, just. Yeah, it just turned me off. Like, why would you just want to rape that fucking poor woman? It just didn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? It was just, they were too mean-spirited. So that's why I don't want to watch that movie again. It was disturbing. Just because I couldn't relate to any of it. I couldn't relate to the filmmakers or the characters. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to see it. So, But I mean, very few things are going to disturb me. Real-life shit, that'll disturb me. Deformities, real or fake, depending on the, the tone of the film. Like, I haven't even watched Castle Freak, you know? <laughs> oh, Stuart Gordon. Uh, I know. Hey, either of you guys see The Green Inferno? Loved it. Yeah, I loved it, too. Roth did a terrific job, you know. Agreed. Paying homage to the to Cannibal Holocaust, but it was its own film. Re- right. Really solid film. All right. Well, I guess that's, that's cool. going to wrap up our first show. Yeah. So, uh, fuck I, I had a hell of a time. I hope you guys did too. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I hope it was great. <laughs> you know, to say the least. I hope the listeners really liked it. You know, we uh, yeah. was, you know, we yeah, had a lot of fun. I'm, just I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it? Too fucking bad. Don't yeah, listen again, yeah, man. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> That's our outro. It'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, be our. We'll, we'll, we'll just have that every week. That'll be the end of the show. Too fucking bad. Don't listen again. <laughs> I do have an outro written if you want me to read it. Well, let me say one thing because I don't think you know it uh, about where, where, that we are on horrorphilia.com. Yeah, I wrote that down. Jason Lloyd, once again, who's helped us out, who's helped me out personally with plenty of shows. He's a fucking good man. He's a good friend. 
and he's put us on the horophilia. He's, we're going to be on iTunes as a result, and there we are. Um, now we're also going to we also are on Facebook. We have uh, our like page, which is just kind of there to be there. But go and like it. That's that's all good. The group page is what it's all about. I think you know it, it's it's all. If you go on Facebook and just type in Exploding Heads Horror Podcast, we are there. Join the group page. Ask, and we accept you. You can like the like page. That's cool, too. We're on Twitter. That is at E-H, short for Exploding Heads, <laughs> E-H Horror Podcast. That's us. We are on there. So, Brandon. Awesome. You- uh, Christian, before I take us out, you want to uh, tell the listeners how they can uh, hear you on uh, your other podcast? I would love to. I'm also, you can also hear me on TGIF 13. Thank God it's Friday the 13th. We're on iTunes as well. Uh, so feel free to check us out there. Uh, officially on Podbean, but you can find us through iTunes or Google. Thank you. Excellent. So, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for episode one of Exploding Heads Horror Podcast. I want to thank all of our listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as we did recording our inaugural episode. I'd also like to thank my two co-hosts, Mr. Dave Z, and, of course, Christian. Stay tuned for episode two, coming at you soon, hopefully in two weeks' time. Oh, yeah. Bye, everybody. Yes, we'll try to go bi-weekly, but we'll do the best we can. So, that's all. I've dropped enough tonight. Thanks, (laughs) boss. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time.